Welcome to the Bayesian Conspiracy. I'm Ian Brodsky. I'm Steven Zuber. I'm still oh, wait, damn it. No, Jay Sticky. I have to be Jay Sticky, so you can be Steven Zuber. I'm Jay Sticky. And I'm Steven Zuber. We did it. We swapped bodies. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> nice. All right. Welcome to the show. We... I can't lead this like you can. Oh, well, I mean, I, now <laughs> I, I already, feel... already lost my footing. Okay. All right, do we want to start off with a funny <laughs> anecdote, or do we want to jump right into the sequence posts? Oh, that's a good question. Funny anecdote. Okay, then. Decided. Okay, so. Oh, just for the record, though. I'm actually Eniash Brodsky for people who are just listening for the first time. Do you think there'll be the many of those? If there's if you're a first time listener, yes. Steven Zuber. Jay Sticky. Cool. All right. So my dad, his political leanings are right leaning, which is fine. I didn't <laughs> I didn't think he was fully stupid about it until I learned that he's like he's not getting the COVID vaccine. Oh. He's been a smoker for fifty years. Oh my god. And or forty something, I don't know. But mm. he also has a forged COVID vaccine card. I'll be damned. So oh, we, we he, thought nobody was going to do that. He got one of these because we went to, he, and he's not a huge comedy guy. This 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 all ties together, I swear. Okay. We went to Comedy Works last night because we, we bought the tickets for the show months ago. Christopher Titus, uh, mm. he's funny. And I hadn't seen any of his stand-up, um, at least in many, like at least 10 years. But when I was a kid, he had like three season TV show that we all watched, me and my brother and my dad. Yeah. And so my dad was like, oh yeah, I remember that guy. Let's go do this. And at least... 30% of the show was him ripping into the dipshits who aren't getting vaccines. Nice. And so, like, he doesn't know that I know that it's a fake card. Mm. Um, how, how did you find out? Uh, my mom asked, well, because there's, it. I, I learned from my mom. Oh. Um, and it's, uh, Comedy Works in Denver is smart. Uh, through the end of this month, September, um, you have to either have proof of vaccination or a less than three-day-old negative COVID test. Um, at the end of September, starting 1st of October, nobody without a vaccine is allowed to come to the shows, which is cool. Um, I agree. You know, it's it's people in close quarters laughing. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> Especially the Denver one. That is a small, tight room. Fortunately, the last two shows I've been to are Comedy Works South, the okay. Denver Tech Center one, okay. which actually seems to, seems to have been designed with having people there in mind. Right. It's not like they found this cool, grungy basement, and it's like, oh, we can fit some chairs in here. I really like the cool, grungy basement vibe. Me too. Yeah. It seems like, the, like the, the grungier and older the basement, like the better comedy <laughs> yes. rep, rep it has. Yeah. But still, I like the, the atmosphere of the, downtown, or the Denver Tech Center one more. Okay. Anyway. So he was ripping into the um, anti-vax, anti—you know, whatever people, mm-hmm. and that was a lot of fun because I knew my dad was looking forward to this, and he seemed to enjoy the show anyway. I don't know if he took the the jokes in good humor because they they were they were not like uh, like they were still kill funny. these idiots. I, I mean, yeah, it was kind of like it was it was pretty intense. Uh, like you know, it wasn't like friendly, you know jabs at the thing it was like no, you guys are a bunch of fucking dipshits. Hmm. And oh. uh, why did this come up? Um, I guess it was just the funny irony of, like, so I learned that he had he got a fake card, like, the day before the show, and I was going to tell him, you know, give him a piece of my mind about it, and didn't get a chance to, but Titus did it for me, so that was really fun. Um, <laughs> Sometimes it, things work out. It did work out, and I'm, I still plan to have a, like, more productive conversation with him about it, and explain to him that, like, look, man, it's not just about you. A, we don't want to watch you die. Yeah. You know, you're, you're in a high-risk group, mm-hmm. and you're being a dipshit about this. You know, you're you're pro vaccine on everything. Your dad had polio uh, maladies that lasted his entire life. Oh damn! Like it's you know that this is he's, diseases are real. Mm-hmm. Vaccines work. Well, and he the thing is, is he knows that it seems to be just this particular one. And I get it that the messaging has been stupid. It could, frankly, it would be hard to have possibly done it worse. Right. Um, but I mean, 
if it, if it was just like purely like more broadcast, like this is evil mind control stuff or something, then at least then that could be dismissed as nonsense. But the messaging for the average muggle is just so mixed. Yeah. Um, especially if your average muggle gets their, you know, news from weird places. But anyway, I liked that. And, uh, I don't know. Everyone get your vaccines. Quit fucking around. That's, that's where, that's where I'm at. So, yeah. All right. That was my funny anecdote. <laughs> and Christopher Titus's new special, uh, so it hasn't aired yet anywhere, but it's called uh, Zero Side Effects. Okay. And there's, so Is it did, about the COVID vaccine? Yeah, part of it. He had zero side effects from it. Well, uh, about, like most people. Well, I mean, I got a lot of people got sick the next day or whatever, right? Oh, oh, um, oh I wasn't counting those. Yeah. I was thinking more like long term. I had zero side effects. Oh, nice. It was great. Cool. Yeah, so his, his, his vaccine went fine. And then about half of it was about him getting dental work done in a, in a very... Again, it's it's story humor, not like a quick joke. So yeah. you got you gotta enjoy the special when it comes out. Find it eventually. As long as we're talking about dads, I recently learned that my dad was part of a um, illegal mystery cult, a Gnostic mystery cult, when he was younger. Uh, because in uh, in Poland, uh, since it was under the regime of the Soviets at the oh, time, did they have like governments? Mandated religion? Uh, not mandated, but they had um, government uh, religions that were government approved and religions that were not. And the ones that were not were, you know, illegal to practice. And he was Jehovah's Witness, and it was very much, you know, a Gnostic mystery cult in Poland because they they had to hide underground and spread, you know, the knowledge secretly. And it was like it was a whole thing. He was he was a rebel. I kind of understand a bit more where he was coming from. Now he said that like when he came to America. He was so disappointed by how over here it was just like allowed, <laughs> <laughs> not just allowed, but like the it, the religion didn't have like all the the mystery and coolness and rebellion behind it. It was just the man, you know, producing literature and people going and giving their money and stuff, just like any other religion. This is funnier in hindsight because you told us a few years ago that you learned that he didn't actually believe any of the the tenets. Yeah. So, but but what's fun is like being part of a secret society, kind of irrespective of what they say they believe, is fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's like this. Is you know, this is this is in defiance of the of the totalitarian regime, man. This is awesome. We got to get Bayesianism declared illegal or something. That would get us uh, some some more traction, I think. Somehow, yeah. it's already unpopular. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> well, we're no, at, I mean, we're, like we're at the unfortunate sweet spot of being unpopular but not illegal yet. So. <laughs> you could say that, like, it's socially. I don't know. I'm trying to spin this into a good thing, but I'm just bumming myself out. Let's move on. <laughs> Okie dokie. Uh, that will be part of our topic later. But first, as usual, we will do the um, less wrong posts that we read every week. Uh, we also have some feedback. Should we do the feedback later, though? Yeah, let's do the feedback after the less wrong posts. Because I just I like having them up front. If people want to skip them, they can, they, know, they can just skip the first part of the episode. Yeah. And hopefully they didn't miss your awesome dad anecdote. <laughs> Uh, so the first post we're going to talk about is fake morality. Uh, this one is, uh, well, I mean, it's, if you're, gosh, that's weird. I was about to say, if you're familiar with new atheism, you're already kind of familiar with this thing. But on the other hand, there's some youngins out there now who, who weren't around for the new atheism. That was after some people's time, yeah. Mm. Weird. Was, uh, it, and I, I think I've asked this before when, you know, because a lot of these posts are around the age of uh, the whatever atheism wars online mm -hmm. is that still happening not really that's kind of a relief i mean i, mean, I think it, that it basically changed. now it's now it's culture wars instead of atheism wars the the you know the wokeism took the place of christianity and the membership drastically changed as people resorted themselves yeah i guess at the very least i feel like this was never like this was a fun time to be online but mm. uh 
I can't imagine there's anything new that's been brought to the conversation in the last 15 years. Right. Right. So, um, <laughs> we found new evidence that God does not exist. Right. I guess ultimately, like, it is kind of open and shut. So it had to move on to something like, you know, a culture war where you can just yell at other people for being bad and, and there is no objective look, God doesn't exist kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, well, anyways, let's <laughs> get into the actual post. Yeah. So, it, suppose Omega of the famous guy who's so helpful with all those boxes he keeps throwing at us <laughs> um, makes you a credible threat that if you ever step inside a bathroom between 7 a.m. and 10 a.m. in the morning, he'll kill you. <laughs> would you be pro- would you be panicked by the prospect of Omega withdrawing his threat? Would you cower in existential terror and cry, if Omega would withdraws his threat, then what's going to keep me from going to the bathroom? <laughs> Which is very much a, a reflection of people who say, if God didn't exist, what would stop people from killing and murdering and stealing and raping and all that? Or and, more specifically, the threat of hell. Yes. Or like God punishing you. Yeah. And uh, he, he says, which is to say, the very fact that a religious person would be afraid of God withdrawing its threat to punish them from committing murder shows that they have a revulsion of murder which is independent of whether God punishes murder or not. You don't hear them using the argument, if we did not he- fear hell and yearn for heaven, then what would stop people from eating pork? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which should sound just as forceful. It's interesting because, you know, back in the days of watching these debates online, occasionally you'd see people who would say that mm-hmm. like oh yeah no if god didn't exist i'd do whatever i want and then that kind they of were always the, christians that's the kind of oh yeah because the rest of us we don't think we don't we're not that concerned about god existing or mandating morality and we're nice to people and don't don't murder them because we like people and so the people were we like oh like yeah I, I, I would rape and murder with abandon if god wasn't real it's like okay well i'm gonna back away slowly while i keep my eyes on you as i leave the room i also like, usually don't believe them yeah, yeah i feel like that's dogma yeah like, trying to make the point that everyone would yeah they, they i guess they just don't realize what a stupid point that is yeah <laughs> um the another quote that was pulled out here uh you oh, should this oh. I, well um yeah that's not a quote i should have put him a little more context on it um the this was a thing to consider because he's talking about fake morality he's expanding the point a little bit uh he asks to consider uh two philosophers who come to you with these two arguments and uh consider them for a second one of them says uh, you should be selfish because when people set out to improve society, they meddle in their neighbor's affairs and pass laws and seize control and and, and make everyone unhappy. <laughs> I can just hear David just <laughs> grinning. Um, take whichever job that pays the most money. The reason the job pays more is that the efficient market thinks it produces more value than its alternatives. Take a job that pays less and you're second guessing what the market thinks will benefit society most. And the other one says, you should be altruistic because the world is an iterated prisoner's dilemma and the strategy that fares best is tit for tat with initial cooperation. People don't like jerks. Nice guys really do finish first. Studies show that people who contribute to society have a sense of meaning in their lives are happier than people who don't. Being selfish will only make you unhappy in the long run. And, uh, I don't know, maybe pause the podcast now and think about them for a second. Yeah. But then once you have unpaused the podcast, you can continue listening to us. (laughs) (laughs) so uh the first philosopher is using strictly pro-social criteria to justify his recommendations to him what validates an argument for selfishness is showing that selfishness benefits everyone the second philosopher appeals strictly to individual and hedonic criteria to him what validates an argument for altruism is showing that altruism benefits him as an individual isn't that crazy like one of them is arguing for selfishness but it's the altruistic argument that being selfish is what helps everybody the best. And the other one is arguing for altruism, but he's using the selfish argument that it's, it'll help you to be altruistic. 
I mean, the the thing that he doesn't point out. I mean, he he does, but yeah, studies who show people who contribute to society have a sense of meaning in their lives and are happier than people who don't. Hmm. I would overemphasize that point, or at least reemphasize it. Right. Like, as Harry so desperately tried to convince Voldemort, like being nice makes people happy, mm-hmm. assuming you're not uh, brain damaged like Voldemort was. But it is a selfish argument, right? Yeah. 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 I would sort of yeah, like call but out selfish the... in, in air quotes, not in the traditional use of the word. Right. Exactly. Because, yeah. like, that already sort of presupposes selfishness as a vice, where if you're a utilitarian, you count as somebody. So if you're making yourself happy and other people happy, that's just on net more happiness. I don't see the issue. But some people just, I don't know. Some people being like, I have this really bad problem from my early childhood of like actually deeply yeah selfishness is the worst Mm -hmm. you know like pride is the worst Mm -hmm. so trying to have any kind of self-love or self-regard is hard when like you've sort of been taught to squint at that your whole life oh especially it can be overwhelming because there's only one you and there's a whole lot of other people and so you know the mass of their combined desires outweighs your own right but like Mm, i don't think that it works that way but yeah well okay I, i think i brought up about how like Deutalons sort of live in that person's experience, but that's beside the point. Uh, we're trying to figure out which of these people is the actual altruist. And then, who wants to read the answer? Whichever one actually holds the door open for old, little old ladies. Right. <laughs> and it's hard to see, in the first case, why, you know, the, the one that talks about, you know, the efficient market, you know, picking a job and all that stuff, why would that person hold open a door for a little old lady? That little old lady can't really reciprocate holding the door open for you, given the premise of the argument, right? Right. So, you know, do you do it because your peers are watching and you get, you know, social perks? No, if you're alone and you see someone who needs help, you do it because you're nice and it makes you feel good. I mean, I'm sure this was brought up by his uh, his interoc- interlocutor in Fake Selfishness, but I've heard similar things where people basically argue for standard altruistic morality, but frame it entirely in terms of selfishness. It was a big thing for Ayn Rand and, and her followers at the time to be like, look, if you were perfectly selfish, you'd be this great person that gives to charity and helps ladies across the street all the time, <laughs> which was a little, I mean... Not literally true because they had a thing about charities and whatever, but like it, it ended up being that you you live your life the same way anyone else would, in, in a, as a good person. You remember Brandon, my other groomsman that you met? Yeah, he's got a similar thing, right? Well, he was moving from Omaha to San Diego Ooh. a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. and he was. T- I was like, you know, it's gonna be quite the drive, and he's like, yeah, I just bought uh, Atlas Shrugged to listen to on the drive, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, so you you want to fall asleep and crash your car and he's like oh. no actually it's riveting i really he's, he's read it before yeah i, I have too i literally i really do like it awesome yeah i mean I, I know it's not for everybody but i found it very enjoyable well i asked you about that because i think you had said once that it was like one of the most important books that you've ever read and then you were like i asked you about that and you're like i don't recommend you read it <laughs> right. and, he's, and apparently it was it was for you at the time that you needed it and that's yes. awesome yeah right. they i think mentioned that in methods of rationality we talked about that before too where it's like ron weasley is one of the people who could possibly benefit from this i haven't read it i think i might also be the kind of person that could benefit from it i think somebody who already has really low self-worth self-esteem like i I have a copy on my bookshelf would you like to borrow it yeah all right god of war from steven i'm getting in rand from it's just like christmas up in here nice so you get to be a god and realize that you should be a god perfect (laughs) (laughs) i was hoping somebody would tie this together cool all right all right so that is uh was that sequence yep the next one is fake optimization criteria i had a 
brief thought experiment on fake morality. Oh, sorry. No, 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 you're good. It was just, I didn't put it in the notes, but the um, fake morality more broadly is just like bad sources of like where to get your ethics, right? Mm -hmm. And I I just remembered that there's a really good intuition pump from Dan Dennett, who I think coined the term intuition pump. Um, Did he? Cool. At least he popularized it. But he, um, he was, it was like the, the, the thought experiment was like, well, I've got my, my friend, uh, Jeff. I ask, I ask him what I should do. And, you know, well, why do you trust Jeff? Well, he's usually right about stuff. <laughs> and like, he, and he's just got this nice, you know, he's, he's like a Santa Claus vibe, not just the beard, but also like in his joviality, Dan Dennett. Santa Claus slash like Socrates. Yeah. Thing going Socrates on. is probably the one you'd prefer more. <laughs> but, but he's got the jolliness, whereas I hear Socrates was asked by a student, how can I become wise? And he held his head underwater <laughs> until he was almost drowning, pulled him out and said, when you want wisdom as much as you want that air, then you will become wise. Jesus. I think Dan Dennett would probably not do that. Probably not. I think that was Socrates. It might have been Aristotle, but anyway. In, in any case, I just liked that the, the the idea of why would you trust this source? And, you know, yeah, sure, maybe it's been credible to you in the past, but, you know, what if what if Jeff says something counterintuitive to you? You know, sh- shouldn't you second guess it? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's kind of like just an authority thing, too, but especially on questions that you're equipped to kind of look at yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And most people don't need, a, you know, if, if I want to go figure out what I really believe to be the age of the universe, it'd take me a lifetime of research and equipment, right? Right. If I really want to figure out what my stance is on capital punishment, I can kind of do that by myself with my eyes closed in my in my own house, you know? Really? I can't... I think you would... Looking I at think data you should helps. talk with other people, too. Look, Yeah. Or at least, and, yeah, get facts about it. And looking looking at data would help, too, but I, I, can, I can draw a lot of my conclusions from whatever I realize my first principles are in ethics, you yeah. know? Um, I won't, I won't stick by that. My, my original phrasing of that too hard, but I, I do think that many of us are equipped to answer a lot of these questions pretty well. I think that probably your first intuition is right. If you're, if you're pretty well calibrated on ethics already, uh, I think you guys are nuts, <laughs> but I was going to say also <laughs> You might come to the same conclusion, but like it's still super worth looking, you know, uh, facts about it and talking to people because there's stuff you may not have known or ways of thinking about it that you may not have thought of before. New arguments and new new information for sure. I mean, I guess what I meant is like if um you know you, you leave your uh your meta ethical axioms open to to revision, but once you have those, like suffering is bad, making people happy is good. Um, you can kind of draw where a lot of like the answers to ethical quandaries, quote unquote, just from those, right? I mean, I mean, okay. So suffering is bad is kind of a given, but like, I think trusting your intuitions or even having intuitions will generally help most people get along just fine in their society. But I also think that um, societies can often be fucked up and wrong, and <laughs> I, I, I just think you know. A statement like, yeah, your initial intuitions will probably get you most of the way there all the time is just completely crazy because everybody in history ever could and probably did say that. And I think all of them were wrong and we're probably wrong about stuff right now, too. There is the sort of pejorative of armchair psychology. This is armchair morality. I'll I'll, I'll briefly summarize why this is on my mind because on the drive to Comedy Works yesterday, I was talking with my wife about um, she works a lot of nurses who are anti-euthanasia. And I... And, you know, I'm totally fine with any particular medical practitioner saying I don't feel like participating oh, in whatever thing. hospice things. workers, right? Yeah. Hmm. So, A, weird job to get into if you don't want to help people, uh, you know, help, help ease people's passing. But 
Um, I think they do, just not in that way. In that particular way. But that's that's the weird thing. So what the reason I, I said that I think you can get most of the way there from like just logically following what you actually believe about ethics is that, you know, the, these nurses who she knows that will, that will claim like, no, I think it should be illegal. This is terrible. I don't think that they actually believe that given their other beliefs about morality. Like if you think that suffering is bad and you think that helping your patients is good, um, you know, letting them, uh, whatever, drown in their own vomit over the course of, of, I don't know, however, you know, die an agonizingly long, slow death or something. Yeah. You're, you're actually causing harm yeah. or you're allowing harm to happen. Maybe, or, there, you maybe know, the action spend there. the last few weeks of your life with severe dementia Right. Upset, confused all the time, and upsetting the entire family by having to interact with their dying relative who doesn't remember them. Yeah. And like, have have these nurses never had like a sick pet that, like, you know, yeah, look, Sparky had a great, great run, but, uh, his life is like 99% pain right now. Right. And, and it's going to go on for another two months, maybe. Or you, you know, it can, it can, it can end peacefully here. Like, most people, many people have been in a situation where they've had to make the hard decision to, ease a pet's passing right and so i guess i'm getting at is that with these nurses i suspect their their actual complaint isn't that like i'm harming the patient i think it's coming from another source of i think it's a strong like anti-killing anti-death probably or anti well if it's anti-death they're in the wrong line of work um if it's if it's anti-killing maybe i think it's from some religious non you know uh just suicide is way in there it's like a straight a ticket straight to hell apparently yeah That, that that always like uh, like just going on a small tangent about how religion was super confusing to me, even as a child. It's like, so you're gonna be born into this world of suffering, uh, and then you gotta like live a good life regardless of all these obstacles we put in your way and random shit happening all the time, uh, and then you are judged and get to heaven, but where you'll like live etern- in eternal bliss. And it's like, well, why don't we just you know skip that whole part? <laughs> Just kill every baby as soon as it comes out of the womb or whatever, and then we all go to heaven. And it's like, they had to, it was a necessary... Adaptation. Yeah, rule that they kind of had to stick in there to make sure that people don't just commit suicide left and right when life is miserable. And, I I mean... Like, we want people to believe this lie that there's this, like, land of infinite bliss that you go to after you die, so you don't feel bad about your own death and you want to do good things and... But we don't want them to believe it so hard (laughs) that they stop working here and paying taxes and shit. Uh, it seems so obviously designed by human societies to benefit human societies that like it's just like why would god if there was such a thing as a god why would he care about first of all this and then secondly like what foods you eat what fabrics you wear which sex positions you're allowed to use how you display the entrails of sacrificed animals check out that old testament shit i really think that the nurses probably very strongly do believe that euthanasia is wrong and um like I don't think you could convince them with the reasoned argument. Like it, I would imagine that it probably happened because it's a good, um, it's good to have a prohibition on euthanasia that people don't choose from themselves. Because then you can be like, oh yeah, that person obviously needs to be euthanized, and yeah. the power can be abused, and then you know that's spread to a whole all euthanasia is wrong, no matter what kind of thing. Slippery slope came up. Um, okay, I was going to say but right yeah. now you 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 can't uh, like I can with my pet. Um, I can't say, look, you know, my, my, uh, my sick relative, uh, they, they really want to die, but they, they won't be able to tell you that. Right. You, th- that's not how, uh, uh, euthanasia works. That's actually one of my big fears that by the time I'll be, you know, need to be put down, I'll be so gone mentally that I won't know it. And I'll just be 
hanging around, burdening the people I love for however many years and not living any life worth living. Don't worry about it. We're going to live forever. (laughs) That's that's sort of my... I, I anticipate that aging in 50 years will be different than it is now so but i mean the, these nurses have that intuition and it may have been adaptive in a certain sense and trusting that intuition le- actually leads to a lot of suffering yeah that's, that's my point so i think that but from what they're like actual axioms about what they believe about suffering and uh their their duty as a medical practitioner i think that their conclusion we should never help a patient ease their passing I think that that doesn't follow, right? It's not coming from first principles. It's, uh, it reminds me of politics too, where like, if you're for gun control, then you should be against abortion sort of, you know, uh, they might be, they might be able to make a counter argument about the, you know, the lines of this is actually why it should be illegal, um, in all cases, because the net suffering that it prevents by making it illegal, uh, illegal is, is, you know, worth the sacrifice of a few people having to live a couple years in pain. Hmm, maybe. I didn't want to get us too far down a rabbit hole. I guess, and so uh, you have convinced me, I, I will uh, give my, do your ethics with your eyes closed in your bedroom. Uh, I will withdraw that. Uh, I'll put I'll put that up there much more tentatively and less confidently than I did initially. Okay. All right. Moving on to fake optimization criteria. Yes. I think the um, the main point of this one is, and this this first sentence is great because like every single word is a different link to a post that he did <laughs> earlier, where he's like, yes, I hammer on about this a lot. And like scrolling over those links with my mouse, I was like, wow, we've read quite a few and I don't remember half of these. <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> um, but he's, the, 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 the main thrust being, our beliefs appear to match the evidence much more strongly than they actually do. We could, if we could beat this fundamental meta bias and see what every hypothesis really predicted, we would be able to recover from almost any other error of fact. Uh, and that, I think, that's kind of like the main endpoint goal of of Eliezer and rationality. Yeah, like, I was gonna say this is a perfect tie into the subject because it already lays it out here, but. Um, let's get more into this. He says our beliefs appear to match evidence much more strongly than they actually do. Mm-hmm. It, I think what it means is our beliefs appear to us. Yeah, we to yeah. match the evidence. Uh, appear, yeah. we think that they do. Yeah, I, I just wanted to make that uh, crystal clear. Yeah. All right. That if we could actually see things without bias. And then we get into some decision theory. Yeah. The mirror challenge for decision theory is seeing which option a choice criterion really endorses. We seem to have evolved a knack for arguing that practically any goal implies practically any action. (laughs) Which is inconvenient for rationality. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and he, he, like, then goes on to say, but, you know, obviously there's complications. Like, where could you possibly find um, something that isn't uh, hopelessly complicated? He asks... Or sort of from the inside, how can you use a brain that's, like, miscalibrated in this way to figure out how to... how to calibrate your own brain correctly when you're, yeah, yeah, <laughs> brains fixing brains, yeah. or trying to see brains. The 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 direct quote is: "Where is the standardized, open source, generally intelligent, consequentialist optimization process into which we can feed a complete morality as an XML <laughs> file to find out what that morality really recommends when applied to our world?" XML drum roll. <laughs> Don't like the XML, huh? It's gross. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, I, I laughed when I saw that but anyway it, it was great yeah which is you know what we were just saying about the what what would you know the suffering apply to our world really say about the euthanasia <laughs> thing and i i honestly think that we should allow euthanasia but whatever we're not going to that so it seems like it should be some kind of ai but yeah in fact 
He says, it's our old friend, the alien god, of course. Yay. Natural selection is guaranteed free of all mercy, all love, all compassion, all aesthetic sensibilities, all political factionalism, and etc. He goes on for a while about what is free from love. It's free from lots of things. Yes. Because all it really cares about is how many grandchildren survive. Now you might ask, are these cases, are these case histories of evolutionary science really relevant to human morality? I ask in return, if we can't clearly see the result of a single monotone optimization criterion, if we can't even train ourselves to hear a single pure note, how will we ever listen to an orchestra? How will we see that always be selfish, or always obey the government, are poor guiding principles for human beings to adopt, if we think that even optimizing genes for inclusive fitness will yield organisms which sacrifice reproductive opportunities in the name of social resource conservation? Mm -hmm. And then, to train ourselves to see clearly, we need simple practice cases. And then that's the end of that one, but it goes into the next one, which we'll do next time, I guess. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. I actually had, like, kept reading. Uh -huh. I mean, I was, like, reading these in preparation for the show, and I was just like, oh, yeah, these are good. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. <laughs> I find myself, I keep doing that, like, before doing the podcast, I, like, read ahead. Yeah. Uh, that, that's an interesting claim about decision theory i mean basically what he's saying is that humans can't do decision theory correctly due to our inherent biases right because we may have a decision theory but we don't apply it correctly to see what it really endorses well we can't do mental math well enough and we're also already like hardwired for like social tribalism yeah um go along with our society and our loved ones and like evolution driving us uh, to you know reproduce more mm-hmm I, mean, I think was we can, it um uh sorry go ahead i was gonna say i think we can we can we can do better than what we've evolved to do and what society like what we've been doing right mm -hmm. we can be less wrong maybe if we put in the effort <laughs> but it's not like there's different i guess maybe it can't be perfect because our squishy meat brains aren't perfect calculators but we can be better at it than we historically have been mm. yeah ideally we can you know learn this martial art of rationality but also we can tinker with like you know um the source code eventually i think the scary part behind all this is that if an ai makes decisions in the world it's going to be using some sort of decision theory and if we program it with a decision theory that we think is you know all about make the humans happy and successful and fulfilled in life but we have a these natural blinders that keep us from seeing what a decision theory actually recommends. We program the AI with it and the AI is like, sweet. Now we got to make a lot of paper clips <laughs> and, and then bad things happen. Paperclip the universe. Yeah. There's no more suffering. Everything's paper clips. Right. Which obviously, I mean that that would be one of the early ones that we would weed out. But, <laughs> but the fact that it's so hard to actually tell what a decision theory actually recommends for us means that we'd have to be incredibly fucking careful giving a decision theory to an ai because once it's running off with the with the decision theory we gave it we might not be able to stop it and there's weird repugnant conclusions that come from a bunch of different philosophies uh utilitarianism being one well yeah okay like that, that that's why we're you know donating to miri and whatnot mm -hmm. <laughs> so they can solve that hard problem hopefully hopefully 
Uh, so for next time, the two sequence posts we're going to read, these are both big ones. Um, adaptation executors, not fitness maximizers, which I still see brought up now and then. And the ever-dreaded, Wes is going to yeah. kill everybody, evolutionary psychology. I sort of want to have him on just for that one. Hmm. I was thinking that. I wonder if he would want to. I mean, we'd have to maybe do an entire episode about evolutionary psychology. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't. I don't know if there's all that much to say about it, though. If we know, I think anyone, there's a lot. If we have any listeners yeah. who are evolutionary psychologists, I'd be interested if you wanted to reach out. Not, fight with Wes. Well, um, <laughs> not not if, if you don't want to fight with Wes, we can do a separate episode. If you do want to go nuts, that sounds like fun too. But I mean, fighting th- with this, Wes this, is really fun. This mm-hmm. isn't just like an empty discipline full of dipshits, like I think right. some people might imagine it to be. Right? It, it, is, it is, is a serious discipline with with actual. Um, methodology and reason behind it i think wes's bigger problem is when humans who are not experts try to use it very, very much yeah, like just those stories yeah, yeah 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 like you're not actually a quantum theorist deepak chopra you don't know what you're talking about except to everybody in the world valid okay all righty so- Feedback. So this is, again, regarding Newcomb's problem, because Newcomb's problem always brings out lots of feedback. Maybe we should just throw it in it's into an episode once every year or something. <laughs> um, it's a doc on Reddit says, uh, regarding the original Newcomb's problem, it seems that 1 million versus 1,000 is not enough of a motivation to make the dilemma, dilemma visceral enough, which is why it seems like a no-brainer to take the million dollars and walk away. I wonder if the problem would be better restated with a glass box containing <laughs> one dose of a cure for some disease that is killing all three of your children, and the steel box containing two doses or none, depending on Omega's prediction. Now does it seem like a no-brainer to leave the extra dose in the glass box? Um, which, you know, that does make it much more viscerally intuitive why you would want a two-box and save all of your children. But mm. again, if you are the kind of person who would do that, you're only going to get one dose. Like, your choice isn't really between three doses and two doses. Your choice is between one dose or two dose. Um, well, no, the uh, one the one dose for all three children, or, wait. Or two doses for all three children. Because the only way you could get three doses is if Omega predicted wrong and you two box. Yeah. But Omega okay. doesn't predict wrong, so basically... Your choice is to say, yes, I would definitely one box, and then you two box, and it turns out you only get one dose. Or to say, yes, I would definitely one box, and then you actually one box, and you get two doses. Yeah, I think, like, the point of Newcomb's problem was more, you know, the question of free will than what decision should you make. But I think they're well, related. No, I, yeah, no, I think they're both actually part of the problem. Would you be more tempted to take the two boxes if it was... You know, saving your children or your pets or your loved one or whatever. I mean, sometimes you get a thought experiment that just gets to be way too convoluted. Hmm. Did I mention, like, just my throwaway joke about it? Like, just a sphere, like a perfectly spherical Hitler in a vacuum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, if there's if there's a cure for a disease that's killing my three kids, and they all three have it, and I get either one dose in one box, two in the opaque box, or three if I magically am able to subvert the expectations of Omega... Um, like, I feel like I have to just give up too many other facts about how the world really works. Yeah. Like, my, my like a box full intuition. of money I can understand. Mm-hmm. But, like, a cure for a disease, I'm like, all right, I'll take this to a scientist yeah, and take get more one. cures, right? Exactly. Like, yeah. Reverse so, engineer it. I'm not trying to d- dodge the question. I mean, like, if... Um, you just don't want to answer it. Well, I, I, I think it's just... I'm trying to think of another way to, like, maybe pump that intuition a little better for me. Cause Is it's it getting the thing of getting pipes. annoyed that it requires that you ignore how... Like real, the real world works. In which case, what's the point of the thought experiment? 
Yeah, I mean, sometimes... that bugs me about thought experiments. So, sometimes thought experiments can still be good intuition pumps, even if they're, like, completely outlandish. You know, like the baby-eating aliens or something, right? Mm-hmm. But it's... Uh, with this one, I like I said, I, I feel like I've already got the solution in hand. I just take this and get more of it, right? Mm-hmm. If it's if it's a super soldier serum that only exists because this god gave it to you, well, then like I'm getting so far outside of reality. Whereas like a check worth a million dollars is a thing I can imagine, right? But I mean, Omega is already entirely outside of reality. Yeah, I'm in a weird spot here. Right? <laughs> so I mean, in that case, I. I don't know, I ask Omega to please not be a dick and let me save all my kids. Like, you know, I, I would probably take the one opaque box in that situation. Yeah. When do I get to open it? Like, that's, do I have to leave the room first? I mean, it, it, it seems like... Uh, like, once you make your choice, it's irre- irreve- irrevocable? Irrevocable? There irrevocable. But, like, you know, if I, take the, if I take the opaque box and then open it, and I see that it's got two syringes in it, then I grab the clear box, too, right, before I leave. So, again, like, all of this has to have so many... Well, no, no, Omega's got a gun to your head, and you have to leave the room right after. Like, oh, and physics don't work in this world. Yeah, some, like, so many weird constraints. Like, if... Um, I, I, it, so, I appreciate where the, the commenter's coming from, but it doesn't help pump my intuitions any better. I would steal one box because I would rather have two cures than one. So that, that's, that's my intuition as well. Mm-hmm. And yet, like, it's more visceral with, like, the lives of my kids. How do I decide which two get to die? Mm-hmm. I do think it was a more visceral. Like, if you ignore the, like, part of the thought experiment that is whether or not the predictor predicted you accurately and what that means about your existence, and it's just the part about which boxes do you pick, it makes it a lot more obvious than the money. Well, I mean, part of the... Part of the issue is that the predictor isn't, like, literally om- omnipotent, just incredibly fucking good. Do you want to roll your dice on that he's wrong this one time? I mean, I could take my money to the... to I could take the million dollars I get out of the one box to Vegas and put it all on double zero. Mm-hmm. And have a, what, one in... 32, I think? How way less. It, I think it's like... How many numbers are in the roulette wheel? I thought it was just 32. No, no, 18 red, 18 black, and two. Okay. So, yeah, 38. So, one in 38. Fair enough. My phone tells me it is 0.026. Okay, so 2.5%. Yeah. Roughly. I mean, that that sounds like better odds than beating Omega, actually. Yeah, but, like, I can't, you know, model Omega at all. I'm just thinking, like, if I were to... If I'm going to try and, like, out outwit this magic predictor, I might as well just take the money that I get from the one box and go straight to Vegas with it, right? Right. Like, if I'm that good at just beating the odds... Uh, I'm not seeing it. So the previous the joke answer box. was to just walk away because magical men coming with boxes. Just yeah. it, like I'm like, okay, th- this is like a genie scenario here. Right. What, whatever like- I pick, it's gonna fuck me over. I'll, like, but the thing, is, the, so this did actually make it more visceral for me. Where it's like, okay, so either you get money, you get lots of money, or you get no more money than you already had, and like it's. It would be easier for me to walk away from that. Like, no, this seems like there's some fuckery. Uh, <laughs> bye. Yeah. But then if it was like, okay, cures for your dying children, then then the stakes are up. Then I'm just pissed at Omega for fucking with me. Indeed. Yeah. Then you just shoot Omega or whatever. It said he's a perfect predictor. Yeah. Not that, a perfect dodge bullet. bullet? <laughs> <laughs> Predict this. <laughs> um, okay, that was that was a lot of... Trying to get around these, uh, this situation. Uh, the other one came from the Discord, and a number of people brought this up, so I'm not crediting anyone individually. But uh, this does come up in the classic Newcomb's problem, and is one of the things that divides people. What if both boxes are glass? And you can see already that he put the million dollars or didn't in the one box. Do you then still one box, or do you two box? Did you write it this way? 
Yeah, I wrote that, yeah. Because Iriash wrote, also, both boxes glass, what doing, question mark, <laughs> which makes was, me giggle. It was the quickest way I could take a note, you know, and still <laughs> no, know I what, what I'm yeah, trying adorable. to say. But, I mean, uh, that seems to change the entire base of the thought experiment, right? It doesn't at all. It just changes how you think about it. Mm, okay, I think the, so qu- how does the, it the uncertainty is ha- part of it. I now have more information if I can see the inside of the box than if I did before, right? Yes, you do have more information, but the important information is that Omega's trying to predict you. Well, I, I in, in the thought experiment, I could kind of give less of a shit about Omega's prediction, and I want to, I want to maximize the amount of money I walk away with, right? Okay. And so, if the box is opaque... And no, if it's clear... No, I'm just saying in the, in, oh, the, in the original. Yeah. And he says, if you, ta- if you take both, the, the, full, the blank one or the opaque one will be empty. Mm-hmm. Then I'm like, okay, yeah. Then I'll take the I'll take the empty. Or I'll take the opaque one because I want the more money, mm-hmm. right? Um, if if he says if if I can see both the contents of both boxes, and he says if you take just one, this box that you can see the contents of will become is empty. And I'm like, but it's not empty. I can see it. So how does that <laughs> not change the original thought uh, experiment? It, because the the key to the thought experiment is Omega is pr- trying to predict you. So if you're saying well. If I can see that they're both full, then I'll take them both. Then um, you'll never get the full box because Omega will have predicted that you would say that. So then the box would be clear but empty. Yes. Oh, so what? Is he going to pull me into a void, explain the scenario to me, and then we walk into the room with the boxes? I mean, maybe he'll listen to this podcast and he'll be like, oh, Stephen said that he would take both if he could get away with it. So no million dollars for him. You've just fallen for the classic trap of I'll, letting yourself be recorded when you're defecting against omega alas yeah i mean uh okay so i thought that like i was in the room standing with him as he's explaining the rules and it's like you see the stack of cash it's not there if you try and take it <laughs> and i'm like but it is though yeah it is if you, if you just take that box it stays there so like barring other magic shenanigans yeah, there's no magic involved you can see both boxes except for the m- magical Right. Well, except for the magical offering you powers. the boxes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... If, They're still magic. If, <laughs> I, if I can see inside the box and it's got a million dollars in it, mm-hmm. I'm taking it. Okay. And as long as I've got the box and, it, and I hold it and I see it still contains a million dollars, which would be really heavy, we'll mm-hmm. just call it a million dollar check, mm-hmm. and I see the other thousand dollar check, I'll take that one too. All right. Well, then you're never going to get a million dollars and I am sorry. But if but Omega... There's no if free if, lunch. If, if, you're, if, you're, if you're listening... <laughs> Walk away. If you're, if you're listening and you... you give me an opaque box i promise i'll just take the one <laughs> I, I do think that's different i have new information if i can see inside both boxes I, how could i possibly not update on that well the correct answer is you still one box because if you're the kind of person who would two box when there's clear when the boxes are clear you won't get the million dollars you the the point of the um the point of the omega newcomb's problem question is what decision theory do you want to have installed inside you and you want the decision theory that gives you $1 million. And that decision theory says, if Omega comes up with this crazy bullshit, you always just take one box, regardless of anything else, uh, even if both boxes are clear. And so if you do run into that scenario, if you're actually successfully installed that decision theory, you just take the one fucking box. See, I'll take the one box in the situation where I believe this magic predictor about the contents of it. Right. But I don't... It, he's not going to convince... Again, so I think... What you're saying is that if I'm the kind of person who would two box with a transparent box, mm-hmm. he takes me to his void, shows me the boxes, and lo and behold, one is empty. Yes. Okay, well, see, that's 
that's a different circumstance than the one that I said I would two box in. <laughs> it is. That, that's true. The one I said I two box in is where if I'm in the room and I can already see the money. Yeah. Right. Then you two box. Right. It like so you. I mean, you've literally just demonstrated you don't have the correct decision theory installed to pass Omega's test. No, you've just you've demonstrated you have the decision <laughs> theory that you would that you would lose a thousand dollars for free. If, I, if you I mean, see I would lose that thousand dollars, but I would gain a million instead. I would gain a million and a thousand in the case where I'm already seeing the money. Again, if he explains it to me and he says, if you're the kind of person who's going to try and take two boxes, the second box will be empty, or the second box will be uh, will have no money in it. Then I'll be like, oh, then I'll take the one box, and like I know that going in. Yeah. But if I'm there and I can already see it. I've got new information to update on, namely the visible money. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the, I, it's like if I, if I showed you, you know, my two hands and I'm like, hey, look, this one's got a dollar in it. This one's got a hundred dollar bill in it. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, if you, you know, if I'm, if I'm new, come unboxing you right now, yeah. <laughs> then, you know, you're like, okay, well, I'll take the hundred and mm-hmm. you take the hundred. Mm-hmm. If I show you and I've got my palms open, mm-hmm. what's to stop you from taking both? If I said you're allowed to. I mean, are you actually Omega? Are you a good enough predictor of me that I need to have the one box decision theory installed to get the $100? Or are you just Steven? I'm arguing that in the second case, it doesn't matter who is telling me anything about the boxes. I can see the contents of them for myself. Yes, but you'll never see the $100 bill or the million dollars or whatever. Because I've committed to... to, You know what? Because you take the box and either the money disappears or you disappear. Yeah. (laughs) Well, neither of those happens. Yeah. You would get the money, but... Given this this bizarrely bizarrely constrained scenario, uh, I'm happy to forsake the million dollars in the circumstance where two boxes are both clear. Okay. Um I'm I'm sufficiently confident I'll never miss making I'll, I'll never I'll never regret making that commitment. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you have now made it my life goal in 10 million years time to fu- to fuck you with this. If you can I, I'd give you a high five that'd be really funny. <laughs> Excellent. This um, is what we're going to be doing in our transhumanist future by the way. Got to find some way to pass the time. People. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe playing football games across the entirety of America. Mm. That's a really funny image. That you just painted in my head. Have you not read seventeen seven seventy six? Oh, I either it was short, wasn't it? Uh, mm, I wouldn't short say sh- short, it, like shorter than a full length novel, but I wouldn't call it like short. It's going to take hours to plow through. Okay, then I've read a summary or something, but I'm okay. familiar with it. I forgot about that. Yeah, they play a continental uh, or a yeah a, a continental but, game of football. Yeah, that'd kill some time. Yes, it would. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's on the three hundred and thirty thil- thirty-three millionth yard line. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that 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 basically is what Newcomb boils down to, and the the opaqueness. I don't know. Technically, shouldn't really matter all that much, and uh, that but is why a lot of people split emotionally. I mean, like if you would two box in the clear boxes, you should also two box in the opaque boxes because Omega's already you know changed the boxes and flown off, or or set the boxes and flown off. Yeah, but in one, I believe. That there's some magic involved about prediction of what's in the what's in the opaque box. Well, you shouldn't believe in magic. A, a god summoned <laughs> me to his void and gave me a box of a million dollars in it, right? And said I can predict the future. Mm-hmm. I, I I now believe in magic. Okay. So, anyway, I think what would help just because I'm clearly missing the mark on these, and it's not. I mean, I'm, not I'm not necessarily. Trying. Like half of the populace is on your side, including some of the most educated people in the world. Well, and uh, uh, but I'm not, I'm not even that strongly like inclined with either because I'm clearly flip flopping on a way to where I shouldn't be. Right? Like even decision theorists disagree on this. But you're saying that if 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 I am committed to unboxing in the clear 
in the opaque box situation, I should be committed to unboxing in the clear box situation. And vice that, versa. That if is you're not boxing in one, you should two box the other. That is not at all transparent to me. Okay. Pun intended. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Thank you, Jace. Got a laugh. Got a got a chagrin head shake from Inyash. Exactly the intended intended He's result. He's giggling though. Yep. I am, so. but only because I think it's funny <laughs> that Stephen likes to hurt me. Um, it is funny. So if anyone could help me help demonstrate this to me with like an applicable real world scenario that doesn't involve magic, uh, sci-fi predictors or something weird. If there's some tangible idea, you know, like a prisoner's dilemma is a, is a way to illustrate a, a decision theoretic problem, um, in a way that I can actually concretely imagine. Yeah. Right. Um, I, but a newcomb problem, there's not, I can't tie it to anything in my like relatable experience. Okay. So if anyone can, if anyone can help me pin this down closer to terrestrial earth, then maybe I'll I'll be able to actually come put my foot down on what position I'd take. So, because apparently I'm being inconsistent, even though I don't feel like I am. <laughs> Art, that went on for a while. Did you have anything else to add? No, that was delightful. Okay. So um, that, I guess, should bring us into uh, our main topic for today, which uh, everyone else might be thinking here too. Like, what the heck is a rationalist? <laughs> what are you guys doing here? What are we doing? How, what qualifies someone as a rationalist? And we will decide that because we are the rationalist popes. Well, we're going to try and figure this out anyway. So <laughs> my, um, uh, I wanted to do this. I think our second episode was on, no, that would not have been Raising the Sanity Waterline. One of the first five was what is rationality? Mm-hmm, this, like that, yeah. this is distinct from that because I'm curious what a rationalist is. Um, and I, I, I meant to put some prep work together. It's been a weird week. Um, but I think we can still kind of just muzzle, you know, muddle our way through this without a lot of prep time. Because we can talk about anything for hours. That's true. I try, and, try and stop me. Mm. Um, so the, I mean, some people might say a rationalist is someone who would obviously one box. <laughs> right? So, so we don't have to get back into Newcomb's problem. I'm, 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 I'm just tying just tying. But that it back would mean that. you're not a rationalist, and I think you qualify. See, I, that, let's find out if I, I mean, so this is the kind of thing where, you know, I bump into people once in a while who are like, oh, I'm not smart enough for that stuff. And I'm like, I'm a fucking idiot and it's easy. <laughs> like, so either I'm doing it wrong or I don't understand what the what the constraint is or that sort of thing. So, like, mm. I'm trying to think of, like, just some baseline understandings of the kinds of things that rationalists do or think or um, have educated thoughts on or something. Maybe Maybe some requisite knowledge. You know, like, you're not a biologist if you don't know what a gene is or something, right? Is it... Is, is there an analogy for that with rationality? Um, Before genes were known, you could have been a biologist, though, right? Sure. Um, but you couldn't be a biologist in 2021 if you don't know what genes are. You can't be a... Or maybe let's pick another example. You can't be a physicist if you don't know... Uh, if you don't know math. If you don't know math, that's a good way to put it, right? right? I mean, you could still conduct experiments. You know, you can still throw stuff. You can still drop things off of buildings. As long as you have a... As long as you can write numbers down you maybe don't have to add them but <laughs> yeah i was trying to figure out if don't know math means like you don't know formal equations or like like could you have been a physicist you know in like ancient greece by math? yeah like There's figure out of... inclined planes and pulleys and stuff yeah. aqueducts so like uh, well yeah but okay like <laughs> I just registered you saying they knew math, and you're like, yeah, okay. I was older. Um, could you have been a physicist in, like, the hunter-gatherer no. ancestral landscape? Well, like, I'm what about the... creating, like, spear throwers you could be... and figuring out how, like, to make a bow shoot straight? 
No, I mean, there, there's... You don't count there's, that as physics? No, there's a lot of skills uh, that that could be. There might even be, like, I think some that's just intuitive. engineering. Like, it's not... It's, like, pre-math, but you're still calibrating based on, like, doing an experiment with different kinds of wood or yeah, sure, straightening you could, like, spears. You could, like, apl- use applied physics. You could watch how a bunch of things arc and then sort of, uh-huh. you know, like, on an intuitive level. But, exactly, right. But I think the actual physics were... Being a physicist entails um, doing math to numbers to figure out the rules of the world. Like, you you cannot do physics without math, since that is what the real world runs on. I think you can, though. That's, like, like very primitive early. But, like, you know, you were mentioning, like, can't be a biologist without knowing what genes are, and then sort of saying, well, like, that criteria would change if, if it was now versus in the 1800s. I mean, you could do physics stuff. I just don't think you can be a physicist in any sense of the word without math, since that's what it's all about. Can't be a like first, you know, hunter-gatherer physicist who figured out how to throw javelins. No, maybe mm. that's maybe that's a more specific case. Maybe rationalist is more akin to scientist, yeah. where in like the most generic sense, I think Carl Sagan said that any time you're testing your beliefs against reality, you're doing science. Right. Yeah. And scientists might disagree because that's too low of a bar hmm. but like no i think scientists would, would agree well you know well, okay. e- either way i'll i mean scientists aren't you know a homogenous group yeah so. at least sagan did and he was a scientist right i'll take his word for it um like that, that's that's so i mean there's there's a fun little i mean everyone well maybe everyone maybe you have to be familiar with this problem to be a rationalist i don't know so mm-hmm. there's the the, the cl- classic example from uh Kahneman and Tversky in 1983. Linda is 31 years old, single, outspoken, and very bright. She majored in philosophy as a student. She was deeply deeply concerned with issues... Or, wait. She majored in philosophy. As a student, she was deeply concerned with issues of discrimination and social justice and also participated in anti-nuclear demonstrations. Which is more probable? 1. Linda is a bank teller. 2. Linda is a bank teller and is active in the feminist feminist movement. So, like, I understand why the answer is one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand intuitively. Mm-hmm. I think that might be the kind of like baseline skill level. I think that's not intuitive unless you've sort of incorporated it into your mental muscle memory. That's that's, and that's what I would get at too about rationality. Like in the sequence, fake optimization criteria, just, I think Eliezer said it perfectly at the end to train ourselves to think clearly dot 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 you don't even need the rest of it i think that's it rationalists train themselves to think clearly yeah and so i mean just for the sake of fully answering this so answer one linda's a bank teller answer two linda's a bank teller and active in the feminist movement a lot of people pick two i forget the exact numbers more than 80 percent of participants chose two um so that's because it sounds more plausible given the premises of what we know about linda right mm-hmm. um, definitely sounds like she's likely in the feminist movement right doesn't sound like she's just a, a, a bank teller. Right. Um, if the two choices were bank teller or feminist, feminist would obviously be by far the correct choice. Right. But the two options are bank teller or feminist and bank teller. Right. Which is a greatly constricted subset of feminist. Exactly. So that's the thing is um, any... any Is it? Mm-hmm. There's lots of feminists that aren't bank tellers. Oh, okay. So that's the, that's the thing. So <laughs> maybe, maybe this is... I'm wondering if this is an essential part of the toolkit before one is allowed to wear the badge of rationality, or if it's not even the kind of thing that maybe it's vague enough you don't need badges or passing mm-hmm. passing quotes or whatever. But like, you, I picture things in like uh, 
um, epicycle diagrams, right? Mm-hmm. So I've got this big circle of, of uh, bank tellers mm-hmm. in, that I can picture on a whiteboard, and I can draw another circle of feminists, and there's some overlap, mm-hmm. right? And so which, which is the bigger space? Is the one with bank tellers. Mm-hmm. So, because every feminist bank teller is also a bank teller. Mm-hmm. And it's, 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 it's when you add a, a compound statement and say, and it becomes less probable, yeah. right? Yeah. So, I understand intuitively why that's the case. Um, I, I, I just brought this up because I feel like it's one of the easier ways to demonstrate. Because uh, I can't remember what I saw, what I, what I guessed when I first saw this problem. I think it was in high school in one of my psychology classes. And I, um, well, given the numbers, I probably guessed too, because it was eighty percent of people did, right? Yeah. Um, and I wasn't yet immersed in the uh, rationalist Kool Aid yet, so yeah. um, it's interesting though, because like I do think that anyone who'd been a rationalist for any amount of time and had been, you know, working at it would, like you say, pass this test. Uh, but also, I'm not sure that it's like necessary. I, I I'm not sure I would call it a defining trait of a rationalist. I, I was thinking much more broadly when you asked the question. I think you should, I, was, I was aiming for broad. Yeah, and I, I, I picked a specific example of just like the conjunction fallacy, mm-hmm. but you know something more. Yeah, what, what's the broader strokes you're thinking? Uh, I was thinking like a um, a commitment to to actually knowing the truth, caring about the truth, like for its own sake, wanting to have a territory that's a map that's as accurate as possible. But but I mean, it's like. When you when you define a Christian, there's lots of things that can go into Christianity. But if there's some basic, lots core of Christians would define what that means differently amongst themselves. That too, but there's some basic core teachings of the church that if you don't know them, you can't reasonably call yourself a Christian, even if you meet everything else. I don't know, like, and like, then what if you didn't know who Christ was? That's sort of like there's people that just go to church for the donuts and the social interaction and don't believe any of that. And yet they could still call themselves Christians. Other people might disagree with them, but like... But if Omega was handing out badges to real Christians, yeah. would they get one? I mean, I could totally see secular Christians who don't believe in the, the magic parts of it totally being given the Christian badge. I think nobody would get it because the Bible has very specific <laughs> things that it says that you need to believe and do. And some of them are insane, like having to like bury your poop with a stick. At a certain, like, facing north, or I think I'm thinking of dogs. But <laughs> I, just, I just like that the Pope Francis would have been burnt at the stake 500 years ago, and the Pope is infallible. But literally, like, if you don't know who Jesus is, could you possibly count as a Christian? There's, I mean, I know that's very specific knowledge that doesn't meet, it, it wouldn't fall under the general guidelines of, you know, this is a Christian, or this is a rationalist, this is someone with a commitment to the truth, but like... There's certain things where, like, you, you kind of should know. <laughs> yeah, I. it's interesting. now that Because that's a really good illustrative example. And now I'm wondering if this is not that interesting of a question, because now it's kind of just quibbling over definitions. Oh, I think it's, like, it's still that's an the interesting fun question. <laughs> I, I, I'm glad, because I, maybe I, was, I lost heart in it too fast. I mean, what's fun about the kind of, like, commitment to truth and, you know, knowledge for its own sake, um, having a good map of the territory is valuable, not just instrumentally but also you know epistemic rigor is is a virtue um it sounds like we get to bogart a lot of people who wouldn't call themselves rationalists into our community you know like neil degrasse tyson richard dawkins that's actually know. a thing i wanted to bring up later too yeah yeah, yeah same. so i mean we get to include them in our group even though they probably would say you know maybe some of them would actually say no right yes but before we get to that i okay. wanted to yeah first see like what makes the the, the group before we start 
getting to those are people in it or not things. Like one of the um, I, the reason that the truth thing sucks out to, sticks out to me is because just a few days ago I saw someone say I don't care about the truth uh, for its own. For and its you own. ran across the room and punched them in the face. I couldn't do that because they were on the internet. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but someone's uh, wrong on the internet. Yeah, I, I don't care about the truth instrumentally. I only care about it in so much as it helps me further my goals or, or epistemically. Not, epistemically, yeah. thank you. Sorry. Yes, they only care about it instrumentally as as for, long as it furthers their goals. And if n- not knowing the truth or believing something false would actually serve them better, they would rather know that. And I'm like, I don't think. Is that the rationalist versus barbarians about... argument? No, it's or, not. Uh... Like that that sort of person in my opinion honestly does not count as a rationalist cuz I think a rationalist should actually be committed to what is actually the case in the world and thinking wonder, that it's important. What's an example of something that one could believe that's false but useful to believe the falsity of? The um rationalist versus barbarians. Like I, f- I think the was this from a sequence? Yes. Okay. I think it, the thought experiment, I might be oversimplifying it, is you've got like a camp of rationalists. There's a enemy camp of barbarians that are coming to attack you. And the rational thing to do would be to become like the barbarians temporarily in order to defeat them. And then I guess switch back to rationality afterwards. Uh, so like maybe, you know, believing in stuff like gods and going into a blood fury uh i don't know what like things barbarians believe but like I, there's definitely you know um the ex- people that are better soldiers because they believe in an afterlife there's the example of uh bulletproofing in sub-saharan africa which comes to mind where uh regions that have the belief that you can do certain rituals to make you bulletproof I uh, tend to be less overrun with warlords because their populace is more willing to fight back. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's false. And any individual person who believes that is more likely to get killed. But overall, the society has less warlords rampaging through it and they do better. I mean, religion. I wonder if that's mm-hmm. causal. Like, or if that's oh, just... That's, if it's that's definitely just, causal. You don't think that might just be like a geographical accident where these people who have those have this weird belief also happen to have less, less warlords. This so is like, the thing we, if we see. Could, if we could sneak into one of the places that didn't have that and say, look, uh, do three Hail Marys and you're bulletproof for two hours. Like if we could convince them of that, they would suddenly chase away their warlords. Uh, I believe that actually was the case. Yeah. It was hmm. as this belief spread through places, they became less. There are more examples. I brought up just religion generally. I mean, it's, based on a bunch of shit people made up, but also it worked to coordinate en masse, and then, like, monotheism apparently is even more effective, and other kinds of religion, you know, like... Well, like, the conviction to stamp out and kill your enemies is no doubt going to be good for your fitness, assuming that you've got the stronger group. But, like, uh, it's not... I mean, if, if the barbarians are running over the hill towards our little rationalist camp... And they've just got, you know, bloodlust in their eyes. I feel like, oh, assuming the hill was a ways away and we had some prep time. <laughs> yeah, um, say they're, they're going to, like, attack in six months. Then I feel like we don't need, so to, we got, don't, we don't like, need to believe anything stupid or, or wrong. We just do some homework and we sit down and do math. Build we, a wall. Right. We, 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 <laughs> build, we build a wall or dig a pit or something, right? Like, we, we, we can use our knowledge of nature to win this... Uh, conflict where we are outnumbered. I mean, again, you're avoiding the question because you find it too inconvenient, and so you're assuming that you could, you know, win it other ways to not have to answer it. I, I hope I'm not doing that because what I feel like I'm doing is just not understanding the problem. So, 
because uh, I'm, not, I'm not trying to dodge. Mm. Um, if the idea was, look, we, I guess I'm not convinced you could walk into a rationalist camp and say, look, here's some bullshit you need to believe. Right. And, or even if you don't, maybe you give it a, a less, uh, you know, terrible sales pitch and say, hey, here's, here's a t-shirt that it might look like a regular t-shirt, but it's actually bulletproof. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. You notice you can still, you can stick holes in it because damn you, you're, you're too, uh, inclined to test things. But yeah, it, 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 it's not permeable to, uh, knives or it is permeable to knives, but it'll stop bullets. You know, you know like mm-hmm. I, I don't know how you could convince people who are empirically minded of this some, some, some nonsense. Totally ties into a less wrong post that I am eventually going to publish on less wrong. Uh, I'm tinkering with it a ton and trying to talk to a bunch of people about it first, but I have pretty strong thoughts about placebo mancy. Hmm. But uh, that's not. Oh, it is related, but I don't want to get entirely into that. Like, I don't think you could convince people of that. And if there ever was such a scenario where the tribe of rationalists runs across this tribe of barbarians and they can't defeat them with you know the power of their rationalism, then yeah, I think probably the tribe of rationalists would get wiped out. But I still think that a commitment to knowing the truth is part of one of the core things that makes a rationalist to caring about the, what the truth is. Not yeah. just, nece- I mean, there's some things you can't ever really know and you would like to know the truth or whatever, but like doing your best. To, yeah. Yeah. Like saying like, I don't care about the truth I think is not, not compatible with rationalism. I do like the thing where people refer to themselves as aspiring rationalists. Cause mm-hmm. we all are like imperfect, just trying to, you know, do the best we can with our imperfect brains that's uh, uh, like the uh training yourself to think clearly definition um i actually is that oh yeah where, where are you done with your i mean thing? sort of i was just wondering do either of you guys have um some thoughts about like is that am i wrong about that is that not necessary is that not a core component um could people get away with not quite that i don't know like there's um some people that define it as systematized winning yeah um which i but I, I like the definition better, whether or not it's the definition of training yourself to think clearly, because uh, the same thing you're saying, basically caring about what's true and trying to become better at figuring out what's true um, seems to be, I think, the core like tenant there. For, like, I, I wanted to bring up uh, the period in the new atheist movement where people were having the same argument about what makes someone an atheist, and it was sort of divided into two camps, <laughs> one being not believing in God is the only prerequisite, and the other side was, no, we should, like, expand that definition and stand for more things, though, like, uh, you know, like, secular, what is it, uh, humanism should be part of it, and things like caring about knowledge and science should be part of it, and it was this big debate that I, I mean, it, I guess it's an unsolvable debate what got fun for me in the like at the tail end of the new atheism wars for me for my involvement anyway was right around when i got involved in the rationality community was because i remember parts of like the that same sort of argument divide was one camp of atheists was like i don't believe god exists and the other one would say i believe god doesn't exist right. <laughs> and one was like an affirmative belief <laughs> and gotcha. then when i adopted a bayesian understanding of of what a belief is i'm like you guys are wasting your time arguing about this um so i guess and i'm not to die you know keep digging in on the barbarian thing i think and i i'm not trying to dodge it i just i, I don't buy the premise like maybe we can find a terrestrial example of well, say a like okay the, that's useful to the barbarians are literally attacking right now we have the same number of people uh we could 
pick up a bunch of swords and fight them in crazy bloodlust the way that they're going to fight us. And, uh, and, and that would probably die. give us, yeah, but that would probably give us the best chance of winning as opposed to they're literally at the doors right now. We can't build trebuchets or whatever. Sure. I mean, I think I'm just having a hard time, you know, because like... And that would be the systematized winning definition, I think. But also maybe the caring about what's true definition, because what's true is we're all going to die unless we fight as, like, you know, like madmen go temporarily insane. Yeah. Or, I mean, I don't see why you couldn't just fight with a clear head. Maybe I'm not sure what the barbarian is that makes it impossible to just... You know, if if it's picking up a sword and hitting somebody with it, then like I, I think part of the premise of of the of the hypothetical is that the barbarians have crazy false belief beliefs, uh, which l- translate directly into making them more effective in combat. Sure, if they believe that you know, if I die a, a glorious death in battle, I get to go to Valhalla or something. Yeah. Whereas if I don't believe that, I might be less inclined to throw myself into harm's way. Right. Um, I so, don't think you can make yourself believe that you're going to go to Valhalla if you don't, but yeah. like you can psych yourself up and get into a blood fury. Or, I don't know, take a bunch of drugs that or, make you Or that calmly way. assess the situation Batman style or Harry James Potter Evans Varys style. And They're at the door. Like, they're coming through the windows. Yeah, they're, they're, they're <laughs> standing there. 36 of them have their wands pointed at you. What do you do? Do you try to become an angry death either no you clever you cleverly kill all of them right so but in the hypothetical trying to become the angry death dealer gives you an advantage right so get it so just imagine a perfectly spherical death eater in a vacuum <laughs> yes and so that's why i'm looking for a terrestrial example like i remember the first time that i'd ever heard of jordan peterson he was on sam harris's podcast and they were going to talk about something but they ended, <laughs> they ended up bringing the the entire two hour two hour episode because peterson gave some weird janky ass definition of truth oh god and fucking peterson so i listened to this i'd never heard of the guy truth is what you think and, it I, is. and I predicted mm-hmm. in advance i'm like oh this guy's a religious nut job so i go go to his wikipedia page and he is mm-hmm. because nobody who's not religiously motivated would torture the definition of truth that much yeah but he was essentially a pragmatist in this in the the epistemic or excuse me the uh the instrumental rationality sense right minus some core components of like consistency like he but, believes that a religious belief is actually better for society and that is why he dances around this true thing because i think he personally knows it's bullshit but he thinks it's better for society to have it and so he doesn't care about the truth as much as he cares about society that's being what the better. whole book or like a large part of the book um 12 rules for life i think there were 12 rules was about is torturing that definition of like truth and he really could have just like summed the whole thing up as, so this isn't literally true, but it's a useful metaphor. Uh, and then like, here's how it could guide our behavior. But he, but he wants to throw out the the part where he, he doesn't want to concede the part that this isn't literally true. Yeah, because to him, literally true is what's useful to believe. But that that's always had the that's always had things backwards. You know, like if me running off this cliff will result in me dying, that's uh, a fact that's useful for me, useful for me to believe. Uh, so I don't run off the cliff, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's not like um, the fact becomes... Well, actually, it seems like it would be... Uh, the universe doesn't change no matter what you believe. Right. And really, given like... What you believe can change your behavior. And I, I, I would encourage anyone who's a masochist to find the first episode that Harris was on, or that Peterson was on Harris's podcast, because he seems to be saying that like, if our understanding of nuclear physics is true... Or, you know, because they had to 
table the word true and just use like correct mm -hmm. or accurate. Um, and we set off a bomb that killed everybody. Well, then it wouldn't be true because that's bad for survival fitness. Wow. So that is the implication of what he's saying. And I have no idea how he possibly ties his shoes in the morning. Yeah. So probably I, takes him like 40 minutes. Yeah. I think I have a terrestrial example of the barbarians thing. If you wanted one, please. It's, it's a little bit of a stretch, but it's close ish. Uh, I think the draft is a good example of that. Because if you go to war, you need people to actually risk their lives and fight in a war. And the most rational thing for any individual person to do is be like, no, I'm going to stay home and I'm going to help make the ammunition and someone else can go fight the war. But if everyone takes that most personal, rational action, no one fights the war and you get run over. There's no one to shoot the bullets. Right. Yeah. So instead, as a society, you decide, okay, we are going to implement the draft that everyone will stick to. And some people randomly will be chosen to go and fight. And the rest of us will stay here and, and you know, support them. And, uh, you know, you get extra props to those people that go and fight because they're sacrificing more. But even after the draft is implemented, it's still individually rational to be like, oh, I got drafted. I, I'm going to run off to Canada because that I'm more likely to live and that is more instrumentally useful to me. Uh, and again, nobody fights. So you have to be like the barbarians in the sense that if you get drafted, you go and do the thing that is actually, you know, more dangerous for you, res less rational to you on a personal individual level because it has better long-term effects uh, in the end okay, overall hang on. society. Th that is instrumentally beneficial, though, for you to go off personally and fight because it, it it's social proof that everyone else should as well, right? Mm, maybe. Like, like it, help, it helps make the case that, like, look, we should all go. Are we and bringing it, in a morality component is, is what I wanted to ask. Not yet. Because... Let's, let's pretend we're fighting against zombie Nazis. Um, just for no, sake. that's not even what I meant. I mean... Um, oh, sorry. Is the definition that we're trying to like decide is the correct definition of rationality does it does it include a morality component if it's for example like the thing of atheism just not believing in god is all that's required um is just wanting to know the truth all that's required to be a rationalist or are there like actions well, I have that you should also take behaviors like is it and we should also care about secular humanism you know i i had two other things that i think also are you know part of the definition i don't think just caring for the truth is enough in itself but um it's a necessary but not sufficient condition yeah, yeah but as to whether there's a morality component to rationalism i don't know i think there should be but that's a different statement though hmm. that's where i came down on the like new atheist thing where i was like i think all that's required is not believing in god i think that it is good though if you also believe these other things along with it yeah, that's the kind I, of person i would want to hang out with i and i'll yeah, I, don't I, I would hang totally... out with the atheist who, oh man, I forget his name. There was this really douchey atheist. He might still be on YouTube. That, <laughs> that does hated. not narrow it down very much. I know, but like one in particular, uh, Thunderfoot. Yeah, uh, I was really? like, I can, I can remember his face and his name, and he had some. Anyway, yeah, you, just, you had me at like YouTube atheist, and my brain exactly, dug in right? and found that, that guy. Name. All right. <laughs> so, like, sure, I would want to keep Thunderfeet out of are less wrong meetups but like that doesn't mean that they're not that somebody who has other repugnant beliefs but like cares about the truth isn't a rationalist right. they're just a rationalist i don't want to hang out with yeah <laughs> i don't know enough about him or any of his repugnant beliefs i just remembered his name and his british accent um so i guess just really quick on the draft thing though because i think that does help illustrate the point but in the, in that scenario i think me going to war personally is actually beneficial 
in a in a rational sense not for my personal survival fitness but i seem to care about more than that i care about the people i'm protecting mm-hmm. and other people i'm inspiring to go fight okay. right but you could right. just say those are your other qualities other values. values yeah yeah so maybe but, this maybe this gets muddled and if it sounds like i'm dodging these thought experiments i'm really not trying to um no like, you're actually I, i'm just trying to i'm them. trying to find any specific instance where it is the rational thing to believe something false like when the warlords are overrunning your area then yeah i mean that that is a good example if i could you can't make is, yourself believe something false but like say that you're i could lock everyone in my village you're the president of like the rationalist village and you give out a bunch of vests that are full of memory foam and you're like all right guys these are bulletproof vests <laughs> okay let's say the barbarians have guns now i don't know i'm, I'm messing it up help <laughs> yeah no i think that that helps i think what these what these what these examples are helping illustrate to me is that uh, I think a rationalist would be hard to self-deceive. Well, yeah. let me let me scratch that. Everyone's they easy, should be. Everyone's think, easy yeah. to self-deceive, but not if you know that's what you're doing. Yeah. Like, I, I couldn't say, okay, I'm going to change my mind and believe that I'm bulletproof because it's good for me in this particular conflict. Right. I, I, I couldn't do that, right? Maybe if there was a drug that I could take that would make me do that, it might be rational for me to take that drug. Well, that's that what would I was make, saying with the barbarians stupider. thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, what if you take a drug that... What's a drug that just makes you really aggro? PCP. PCP, According, yeah. according to the movies. Okay. Yeah. So, so if you could just pass out PCP to everybody in the rationalist camp and then give your argument that, okay, like, they're right outside, they've got swords, we've got swords, we've got 30 guys each. If we take this drug, we'll have a much better chance of some of us surviving and that's a super r- rational thing to do because you know when you're in pcp you're punching through car windows and shit and <laughs> like you know you, you can tank damage that you otherwise couldn't because uh according so, to the movies <laughs> yeah I, I mean that is why i think that that is part of being a rationalist like you you can't just decide not to believe something and and but the, the even the thing with the pcp I or the barbarians i say about this will you guys help me like proofread it or like sure after after this obviously i would love to yeah yeah we can even have you you know come on an episode of dbc we oh, can really? talk about your theory we could interview you for it it'd be, be so awesome. exciting to be on an episode of DBC. <laughs> you could be our guest <laughs> i think that um what it's telling to me like i don't know what this person that you re- that you encountered online that said i only believe in instrumental rationality i don't know what they what they're giving up by saying that right i don't care about the truth i care about what's useful well mm-hmm. you know what's useful the truth <laughs> yeah and and you find me a good case where that's not the case um, you know, it maybe um maybe belief in an afterlife or something is is useful. But if you already don't believe it, you're not going to be able to convince yourself that it's true just because you think it would be nice to believe that. Right. So I don't. I'm not. I'm not sure what this person's even talking about. Uh, I do know the difference between instrumental and, and epistemic rationality, mm-hmm. but I I'm not convinced that they're ever in conflict. I think that one is sort of the pure training yourself to think more clearly, and the other one adds in order to use that as a tool to win at life. You and don't think they're in conflict in the bulletproof bulletproofing sense? Cause not, that- not for the, not for the individual person who says I'm an instrumental rationalist, right? I don't think any of the people who are casting a charm over themselves in, in rural Africa to fight warlords are familiar with the phrase instrumental rationality. No, but if they believed the actual truth, they would be worse off. Right. They would be, but they're not, they're not rationalists. Right. But I mean, that's where, those two things can be in conflict but not not for a rationalist that's what i'm saying oh so for somebody for somebody who already is aware of the whatever the requisite yeah. recipe is for a rationalist they can't 
cast that charm on themselves to pretend they're bulletproof. I think right. that's why you'd have to have the rationalist president like pass out fake bulletproof vests. Yeah, you need Plato's like noble lie for people, where it's like, oh, we of the upper echelon, we underst- we're under- we're capable of understanding the truth both emotionally and intellectually, but the stupid masses aren't. We need to lie to them to make them happy with their with their lot. Like in life, the right? U.S. government. Man, yeah, I still don't know if if a I'm not sure someone who is actually a rationalist could do that sort of thing. Maybe they could. I feel like we should have David Yusuf on if we do the placebo uh, mancy episode, because we kind of did have the placebo mancy episode. We just didn't call it that. Yeah. Well, I have more to say about it now. That works. Yeah, it's... you weren't on for the last one. Yeah. Were you? Oh, um. Where we had did, when we had Yusuf on for the uh, magic one. Was I? I can't remember. I kind of think you were. I. I the funny thing is, I remember it. Like I remember it as though I were there, but then that might have be that might be me editing a memory. Like that might be before I was. Yeah. No, you know, I think that was before I was on the show because uh, wasn't that the first time Yusuf was on? I don't remember. Maybe because uh, when I you know when my house burned down and I was stuck at in Ineash's house in Denver, mm-hmm. uh, he put me in touch with David to talk about the funny Thor parallels so yeah that was before i was on the podcast okay yeah but it's yeah. funny because i remember it as though i were on the podcast i'm just i'm just back editing memories it's oh. great to watch your brain do things sometimes i mean i think julia galef covers some of this in her book the scout mindset about like maybe it's useful to delude yourself about like the odds of your business succeeding or something mm-hmm. um, that might be actually yeah another example that might be a good example except for that she finds or she found that like a lot of people like bezos and musk gave really low odds to the success of things like Amazon and SpaceX. Mm-hmm. And they just did them anyway. They just did them anyway. Yeah. Like Bezos. There's I think, a whole more complicated question there about whether like positive psychology works or not. Right. There's, there's some of that, but like, mm, I can't remember if she found any examples. Unfortunately, I listened to the audiobook, which doesn't quite commit perfectly to memory as well as reading something. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I don't think that she had examples of, business uh of, of giant successful business magnates who got there through self self-deception okay. like the ones the, the main successful ones that she profiled were like the ones who were like oh yeah no i think amazon you know this this online you know shopping thing maybe 30 percent, maybe 30 percent odds there's there you will likely when like pitching to investors bezos was like you will likely lose your money <laughs> um but there's a chance you stand to gain a lot so you're gambling right yeah. um it that, that's apparently how that went down and it it doesn't seem like he would have done better if he had just lied to everybody. He might have gotten more money, you know, more startup capital or something if he lied about his his confidence in it or something. Yeah. But um, for for me, if I was going to start a business, I feel like I would want to know my actual, well, like you know, at least try to accurately calibrate my actual odds of, of success, mm-hmm. right? Um, what if, if you knew you were the kind of person who was just who had like a tendency towards depressive, pessimistic, like anhedonic states? And so it was very important that you believe that this will work. <laughs> Again, I feel like if you know you're self-deceiving, yeah, no, I can't I, make I myself believe the sky is green. But I might be able to avoid looking up for as long as possible to just try and forget that the sky is blue, right? Um, if I guess the question I was trying to get at is if I mean, you keep saying there's no place where there would be conflict. If there was a conflict between epistemic and instrumental um knowledge truth whatever do you think it is part of being a rationalist to value having the actual epistemic truth rather than just thinking what is instrumentally useful hmm i think that's yeah the the conflict right there is sort of 
what are we using this? Uh, do is it necessary that we're using this truth for something, or do we care about truth for truth's own sake? Yeah, that, that's a good question. Like, if believing the truth here would kill me, and deceiving myself for an afternoon wouldn't, um, I feel like it would be the rational thing for me to do is to deceive myself for an afternoon. Uh, but I, and I, again, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm really bad at just responding to the proposed thought experiments. No, like, I think so, you just did. No, I mean, like, but you, like you just answered. Yeah. And I, I personally, one. you know, I think I might be tempted to self-deceive so I could keep living. But, like, I think an actual deep rationalist wouldn't. That, you know, these would be the, the heroes that we make statues to and look up to and be our Jesus Christ people. The ones who are like, I would rather be dead than than intentionally uh, hide or destroy the truth. Give me truth or give me death. Yes. <laughs> yes, totally. Yeah. I, um, I would have to wait until I was presented with a situation. You know, like... Maybe if I was giving really, it's hard not to think of emotionally salient examples, but like if yeah. I was, if I was given like really low odds of surviving some illness or something, I wouldn't want to like, uh, just, nope, I'm going to be in the 1% that makes it. So I'm not going to fill out any paperwork. I'm not going to, you know, make a living will. I'm not going to sign an MPOA, you know, because I'm so confident I'm in that 1%. That sounds instrumental. That sounds instrumentally and epistemically irresponsible. So like, yeah, I it, guess, you, like, you, the, the question of whether or not positive psychology sort of plays in there, though, like, if you were... Even if I knew... If you had read a study, or... No, uh, yeah, it, so the, uh, the, the two things here, the the I also believe that you cannot make yourself believe something if you don't actually believe it. Uh, that's why Pascal's mugging doesn't work. And... Or Pascal's wager, rather. Uh, but if there was a way that, like, say if I knew that... No, actually, people who are, like, super, super confident about their outcome in this circumstance... Their odds go up to five percent rather Wait, than one. C- like they're, I... they're literally five times as likely to win to live. I would. I think I'd still be like, well, that's still kind of low odds. <laughs> it, it's it's like wondering if you're believing something strongly enough. You know, like when Harry's running for the the platform nine and three quarters wall, right? Yeah. Can I like try something dumb to see if I can make the thought experiment more salient? Only if you admit that it's not dumb. Uh, oh, but I think it's dumb. Okay, and I well, can't make myself believe that. <laughs> we'll, we'll be the judge of that. <laughs> you are a good rationalist. <laughs> Say, okay, you just got your like annual physical checkup. The doctor comes in and is like, "All right, so bad news is you've got super cancer." Uh, and now I'm going to give you these two options, though. If you take the blue pill, uh, I can. Or for, okay, well, first of all, you'd have to say, so, like, we've got a treatment that has a 5% chance of success. It's uh, this drug. Or um, we've got this study that shows that positive psychology gives you a 15% chance of survival. And if I give you this pill, you'll forget everything that I just told you. I'll walk back in this door and just tell you about the positive psychology. Hmm. <laughs> And but I what I still know forgot, about the, what uh, I still know I was about the do a diagnosis. red pill blue pill thing to make it stupid but uh I think isn't part of the is part of the idea that you wouldn't know about the diagnosis afterwards because that's part of being positive is not knowing you have cancer Um I think like what I was imagining and again like we can tinker with this to make it make sense uh but just having a positive outlook say gives you a 15% chance of survival whereas just taking this drug gives you about a 5% chance could you take the drug and have a positive outlook? Yeah, my outlook would be more positive <laughs> if I knew I was taking a life-saving drug. Like, I think maybe if the option was the other pill is uh, makes you forget everything that I just told you, I come back and tell you, you're in great health. Everything's looking yeah, up. Yeah. Also, take this pill for uh, as a vitamin or something. <laughs> That's, so that, that, is, that is a good illustrative example then, because then I'm, again, 15% chance I would still want to prepare 
for an untimely end, right? So if I, but if I was barred from knowing that I might have an untimely end in order to triple my odds of survival, then I would likely still, I don't know, whatever, not plan my estate properly or something, right? So that that's that's a tough trade-off. I guess the doctor comes in and says, here, this pill will give you a 15% chance of survival. <laughs> but it's the 5% one. Uh, it's not, not positive enough. No, it's not positive enough. Huh. Also, you know, it's not like this sort of stuff didn't happen. It's hard in to the, make thought experiments. In the not-too-distant past, there were uh, a lot of times doctors would just not tell their patients that they had something. Uh, I think I heard it was more prevalent if the patient was female, but I don't recall <laughs> yeah, now. Well, you, you want to avoid hysteria. You know, the <laughs> whim can travel through the body because mm. so, of emotions. So, And that was ultimately deemed to be unethical, that the doctor shouldn't be making that call. They should tell their patient the truth regardless oh early medicine was so unethical Hmm. it's amazing well but you're painting a a a not a not obviously unethical scenario where lying to the patient might be the right thing to do right so but it's but but that's why they would do it right but this well but they i bet they were probably wrong in their estimates about how about the power of positive thinking oh no they didn't didn't care about that doctors like wanted to test their pet medicine so they'd like come grab your child who had i was gonna say syphilis can children get syphilis? No, not well. Uh, why was it's I possible? Saying, oh, yes. Oh, because I was thinking of the Tuskegee syphilis experiment yeah. and like that. Anyway, they would grab your child with cancer and be like, "Well, taking him to my clinic. He's taking this drug. I'm the doctor." And the parents couldn't say no. Yeah, all that stuff's just weird. Take your child. Yeah. <laughs> they couldn't re- receive any other treatment than like that. The doctor was the authority and got to say like what kind of treatment this kid would get. So, and it was just them testing, you know, A-B testing random shit on different kids. <laughs> so I think the only way that, because this is all about like, at least the recent example here is about someone else being dishonest to you. The, so maybe the, the way to frame this is like, would it be rational as you're entering the office and like filling out your like paperwork? Here's my name, address, age. Uh, do you want me to lie to you if I feel like that will increase your chances of survival? Check this box. <laughs> mm-hmm. Would it be rational to check that box? Is but that... then like, do you trust the doctor? Right. Then you can't trust the doctor. If, you know, like... What if this doctor, like, won a bunch of prizes for <laughs> extremely ethical, good doctorhood and had all these awards hung up in their office? I don't know. You I know, know, like, how bad Hitler is? Imagine if this guy was, like, the opposite of that, in goodness at doctoring. Mega <laughs> Hitler. <laughs> okay, let's, yeah, let's pause this. take a break. I... Alrighty, well, I've probably banged on about this thing for long enough. I got, like I said, two other things, but do you guys also have things that you think are definitional for... um being a rationalist what i liked on a meta note about like epistemic rigor is that seems to define scientists as well hmm. and skeptics and you know sci- are scientists also skeptics are all scientists are all skeptic scientists hmm. um well the the first one well they should be yeah everyone should be scientists <laughs> and and every, <laughs> no, and, and every scientist should be a skeptic yeah, yeah. i was saying every scientist should be a skeptic not that every skeptic should be a scientist i know but then but i thought I was, about it for was, a sec yeah, piling on <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was, you know, my well, that I was going to dive into skepticism stuff, but we'll we'll leave that for another time. What do we got next on on your rough docket? Oh, okay. Well, the other major thing that I've always found to be important to me and to I think the rationalism, rationalism movement in general is the um, concept of holding beliefs as probabilities rather as than as binaries. Like this is obviously the way it must be, um, because I think. You know, that holding it as a probability is not only closer to how things actually... Um, Math is real. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously something is either true or it's not in the real world, but like the probability is the best way that we can describe it based on what we know uh, instead of just acting like it's true or it's not true. This is like how confident we are that something is true. And I think that has a lot of knock-on effects, like being able to discuss things with people uh, more and adjust your views a little bit instead of like, you know, completely converting. flipping over, converting. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, uh, and being able to talk charitably with other people and maybe like consider their positions and steel man them and stuff because, you know, you're, you're trying to get the most correct probability you can. You're not trying to prove that you're right and they're wrong or vice versa. I was going to bring up just Bayesian thinking as mm -hmm. the as at least an a a necessary uh, ingredient and i think i think you're absolutely right i mean it's uh there's a great little video we'll link to by uh that julia galef did on youtube on um bayesian reasoning and it's like four minutes long it's not you know going over the math or you know it might it might touch on that point is you don't need to do the math i mean the more the merrier but the the idea of you said holding your beliefs again reality is one way or another you know, um, I rolled a die. It's got a number on it, right? If you don't know what it is, you've got a one in six shot of guessing that it's the correct one, right? Mm -hmm. And you and you know that mm -hmm. your belief is a confidence interval mm -hmm. and or a confidence uh, level. Mm -hmm. um, having that about all of your beliefs, because your your beliefs are your your map is an imperfect representation of the territory, is just a. It's I think the most valuable tool in the tool set. Like I said, it allows you to engage with with people that you disagree with in such a way where the goal of them and you isn't to make you flip to come onto my side. It's to give you some more information. And if you're you already have your belief as a confidence level and not a like part 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 of the muddling here is belief is a word that in within the rationalist community means one thing and ever else on earth means something else. <laughs> um, you know, you are what you believe is true, right? You don't even see the difference. It's like I believe the sky is blue is the same thing as saying the sky is blue, right? <laughs> um, it's uh, it, but the but being able to put things in levels of confidence makes any disagreement with your belief feel less like a personal attack because it's you realize we're talking about the territory, not about me and and like what I think. You know, my not my internalization in the, uh... of it, right? Yeah. morality part of it yeah you're not you're not attacking me by saying that i think you're wrong about this you're saying i think that this belief is wrong mm -hmm. yeah yeah being able to train yourself to think more clearly <laughs> I, I keep going back to that because uh i realize that i have benefited from having just a one sentence definition of things that can be expanded further down but like that still encompasses the majority of the thing there's a I was reminded of this example from when I was in college and I have an art major, lol. Um, <laughs> and in the class, the teacher just, it was the, the first, the first class for art theory or something like that. And the, the, the teacher just wrote on the board, what is art? He's like, okay, it's the first day. We're just going to talk about this all day. <laughs> and it was really interesting seeing people try to, define what they thought art was in this incredibly complicated way that had a bunch of like i don't know like well aesthetics and then like you know but that's like subjective and then just like i sort of wrote all the stuff that i thought encompassed art and then tried to just pare it down to one sentence that still captured all of it um and it was I'm trying to remember the way i phrased it but like 
a deliberate a deliberately created thing by a sentient mind that is intended to communicate something. Hmm. Was that the correct answer? I don't know if there's a correct answer. <laughs> this was a philosophical question. <laughs> I, but, uh, I was yeah, uh, I was the, thinking. So at the end of the day, what did the philosopher say? Oh, I actually the, I forgot. I forgot actually. The teacher didn't write what is art, although that was what we were answering. He wrote, um, "Can can an ele- elephants can paint paintings, and then like they you know auction them for money for elephant." conservation which is awesome but is this art we know what art is art is paintings of horses <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and then but but yeah but to buy my definition no because if the elephant doesn't if it's not a mind trying to communicate something because it seems like what's actually happening is elephants have eyes on the sides of their heads they can't see a canvas in front of them you're putting a paintbrush in their trunk and they're waving it around and you're giving it treats so they're positively reinforced to keep doing this but the elephant's not looking at the canvas and going like, what does it mean to me to be an elephant? You know, like, what is life? What are things? It's just going, yay! I, I am the, Fly the thing, get a treat. Fly the thing, get a treat. I, I, I am the, the last person to ask what is art or have any coherent understanding of what that, what that even means. But I think self-expression is something that I'd be uh, prepared to ascribe to it pretty confidently. I wouldn't even say self, and although I think it's sort of necessarily this, like you only know yourself. But this is a whole nother episode. Yeah, no, is. no, but, I, but, but, okay, yeah, but I was just going to say that I agree that the elephant isn't doing art, it's making a painting. It doesn't mean that the art's, that, that the art, it's not art, that the elephant's painting is not valuable. For for our What is Art episode, I will get an elephant to come on as a guest, and he can defend why what he does is art. And he will win, because he can beat us all up. <laughs> yeah, my assertion might be wrong if the elephant does actually know, like, know what it's doing, or is... And they might. They're quite smart. It's just, uh, I just liked having a solid definition that I could keep coming back to. And I think that the draining yourself, like rationalists are people who train themselves to think more clearly is a good one sentence because that um, can be expanded a lot. And like, you know, when you dig into the different, okay, well, in this scenario, but I think you could always bring it back to training yourself to think more clearly. Define think more clearly. Give three examples. <laughs> we, can, we can each give one. Or, you know, I could say like, training yourself to be better able to determine what is true. And the training yourself part, I think, is integral, where I think the morality one isn't. I prefer the morality part to be in there as well. Um, but, you know, there's definitely people that I, I would still call rationalists, even if they're douchebags, if they're if they're um, trying to do different, you know, identify cognitive biases in their own thinking. Professor uh, Quirrell might be a great example of that. Right. And not to say Robin Hansen is Professor Quirrell, but <laughs> if, we were to, if we were to dial down the kindness on Robin Hansen and dial up the evil, <laughs> I think he'd still be a rationalist. Yeah. You know, he'd be a, he'd be a dark rationalist, um, but his, his ability to model the reality, anticipate um, expected outcomes, and get what he wants would all be present. I have a weird edge case question. What do we think about religious rationalists because if you're trying if you're training to improve your model of reality you obviously couldn't be a religionist and yet there seem to be religious rationalists who meet every other box and i'm like i think seems like a rationalist what the fuck i think i think it also has to be applied to all of your thinking i think there are religious people who self-identify as rationalists but the thing is they're compartmentalizing on the religion thing they're unwilling to look at that one clearly they would argue with you though they would would, but i think they would be lying to to me and themselves that would mean that we're gatekeeping higher than scientists and skeptics though too um like i was at a skeptic convention in 2009 or 10 
and Adam Savage gave this awesome talk, and this guy in the audience... You made it into an Adam Savage talk? I bumped into him in the crowd first, and I was like, hey, Adam Savage! Mm -hmm. And, like, we, we... It was... Like uh, a crowded room, it was a lot of I fun. I was a Dragon Con, and the line for Adam Savage's talk was like wrapped around two buildings outside, spilling out of the convention hall. I, I waited Damn. for two hours anyway, but the key is to go to a niche nerd conference with a maximum of like sixteen hundred attendees. Yeah, uh, but anyway, the uh, the questioner came up, and the audience very patiently waited while they asked their question that I feel like took ninety seconds or two full minutes. <laughs> where he was pointing out holes in the episode that they did on the Mythbusters about the moon landing being fake. Mm -hmm. and Wait, was this a like pro going to the moon is fake person? Yeah, but they paid, uh, I forget what it cost, hundreds of dollars at least to attend a skeptic conference. <laughs> and probably not, just a bag, not, probably not just a bug Adam Savage, they probably check all the other boxes. Mm -hmm. They're like, no, look, of course no aliens. No, no, religion's out, obviously. Yeah, no, homeopathy is bullshit. But this moon landing thing, I think it's also bullshit. I think you guys are all deceived. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's where this guy was coming from. And it was really funny because the guy asked this question with like a thousand sub-questions in it. And then everyone's just very patiently waiting. And then Adam, at the end of it, he's like, you know, I never thought of it that way. Like, because what do you say? It was like, like there were like 30 questions in there, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think his, his full answer was, you know, I never pretended like our episode was like the be all end all. We just checked these things. And this is what we could find with the equipment we had. Okay. Um, and this is the conclusion we came to. Yeah. But I guess what I'm getting at is like, I think this guy's a skeptic. You know, he's, he's advocating for all the, the important things that skeptics care about, I think, other than the moon landing thing. So it's like, I mean, other than the moon landing thing, I think also precludes him. If, if we look at rationality like a martial art, and like, somebody's a really good fighter, but they can't kick with their left foot, like or they refuse to. Let's yeah, right? like, if they're unwilling to, you know, fix one move that they do really badly, and they're just like, nope, I'm the best at fucking karate chopping, and I'm not going to try to fix that. I think that precludes them from being a martial artist, or they're convinced then, that any other way of doing it is subpar or something. Yeah, like I also think you're allowed that's to be dogmatic, wrong about some things. Because, you're allowed to, yeah, the, but in good faith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The world is hard and confusing and there's, you know, you don't know if you're the wrong one or the other person's the wrong one necessarily. But yeah, like at some point when it comes to fucking gods and religion, like it's kind of a easy bar to clear. Let's How say, are you uh, failing that? Maybe add think, to the definition. Um... But also like there's there's legit rationalists out there that just happen to be crazy in the religion department. And I'm not sure... That we, you know, someone could just say, "No, you're not a rationalist because you believe in this stupid Jesus stuff or Moses stuff or whatever your religion is." I feel like Yudkowsky had a line somewhere once where it was like, "You know, you don't get a lot of points for like clearing the God question, like because it's also like clearing the werewolf question, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> yeah, and it, it's like it, so it's about as hard. Now that there's more, obviously, emotional and societal barriers to to, to hurdling the 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 religion question, but, but yeah, I think part of being a rationalist though is having to look at hard things and make decisions about them. I like ran into that with social justice stuff early on mm -hmm. or like transgender stuff where it's funny that I came down on social justice and up on trans stuff, but like it's, but yeah. And that's the thing. Like then someone else could say, but you are just so very obviously wrong about so-and-so. And how could you possibly consider yourself a rationalist when you're so wrong about this one thing? And, and well, I might be not, like, Hey, who, it's what, not what being wrong. It's being unwilling to like look at the thing. Yeah. Cryonics might be a good example of this. Um, a mm. lot of people, a lot of well-respected, rational people that I that I uh, I respect their their takes on things, thinks it's a complete waste of time and effort. Uh, which, know? huh? 
which thing is a uh, chronic chronic uh, yeah. uh, preservation the investment isn't worth it you know the odds of it working are so low um well it, and for me it would depend on whether they've actually thought about it done the like research and calculated against their values and whatnot yeah, versus some that, somebody who just has a dogmatic opinion about it there's some people that just don't value continuing to exist all that much yeah and if if they're one of those weird, people and they they could have just made that decision rationally yeah so if that's their take on it then that's fine if they're thinking no no i, I ran the same calculus you did i just think that my my estimates for these eight conditions are lower than yours and i'm giving it a point zero 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 two percent chance of working your eight percent chance of your eight percent chance guess is just purely wishful thinking um I think that we can we can have an earnest and fair disagreement there, mm-hmm. right? We we we've we've engaged in the same thought process with the same tools. We just assigned different priors to things, and presumably we could one of us would update, right? Like our odds, those of us who are signed up, um, our odds of of being confident in uh, successful resuscitation should go down after that incident in Russia last last yeah. month, right? Jesus, um, I did voluntary MS resuscitation. I mean, like. It was actually, like, told to me by veterans on the squad. Like, so here's what we do. We show up, we do all the CPR, we do it correctly by the books, and the if they're if you need to do CPR, they're dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, you have to sort of come into it with that mindset, because otherwise, like, it's gonna really fuck you up. Mm-hmm. And But the thing is, if you, you know, do CPR for 10 minutes while the ambulance comes, you did the best you could do, uh... But yeah, like, no resuscitation, <laughs> CPR, uh, even, like, uh, defibrillators, et cetera, you know, like, we're still really bad at that. <laughs> yeah. It, and there's still sometimes, like, miraculous recoveries, uh, so you follow the protocol. People have a greatly inflated sense of how often CPR is, well, is successful. Watch movies, yeah, and they exactly. think that also you could, like, safely knock someone out by hitting them on the right. head or giving them a gas. <laughs> yeah. You can't. Yeah. Yeah, the um, so I guess I'm trying to imagine taking the chronic situation with somebody who looked at the evidence honestly and with as little bias as they could possibly muster and looked at the religion question and came down on, no, I'm pretty sure it's true. I, I wonder how they do that. Like they, I think they, self-deception. Well, I mean, I think you're right, but I'm, I, I kind of want to just give it a little more charity than that for at least 30 seconds while I try to imagine what it would be like. Because... I think they're obviously wrong. Otherwise, I'd be religious, right? Um, There's, I mean, so two possible ways of doing it is one of them is the cyber Christianity idea. And the other one... (laughs) Please explain that. Well, we had a whole episode about it like a year or two ago. I know, I just, uh, I need a refresher. Oh, okay. Or let's give the audience a refresher. That there's a decent chance we are living in a simulation. If we are living in a simulation, then maybe the simulator has some uh, goals for what's happening with the simulation. And they're basically God and... We should try to meet their goals uh, so that we can get out of the simulation. Or And, you know, that just happens to be what the Ten Commandments are for or something along those lines. I feel like there's no evidence for that. Yeah, well, you had me, you had me for the first two-thirds of that. <laughs> right, right, right. If I believed we were in the Matrix and all the Matrix gods wanted was us to build a pillar that is 100,000 meters tall. Mm. Like, all right, humanity, once you've done that, I'll let you out of the Matrix. Mm. And, I, like, I had good reason to believe that. I would donate money to building this pillar right i might even dedicate my life towards architectural structural integrity right i mean i certainly don't find it convincing but i was saying there's one that (laughs) that's one possible method the other one would be um someone who like jordan peterson doesn't actually believe it but thinks that it is a net social good for this religion to be believed by everybody else and therefore you know acts as if they believe it in order to try to promote it and i mean for me they in that case they fail 
my first criteria of actually really caring about the truth, but maybe people don't think that's an actual necessary criteria for, criteria for being a rationalist, and so they'd be okay with lying um, and hiding the truth for for whatever they think the benefit is they're, of the religion. They're facing barbarians at the gate, right. and they have decided, nope, this is the noble lie we need to convince everyone of. Yeah. Yeah. I could respect that as an intellectual view. Uh, I would so argue against could, it, but... And also, they could never admit to it if that's their actual view. Yeah. They'd have to play the, oh, no, I totally believe that card with everyone forever. Maybe, maybe not their one significant other, but maybe their significant other ends up, like, leaving them for some reason, and then the whole world knows that all along you were... <laughs> You've got to lie to everyone your whole life to, to maintain this noble noble lie for everybody. I feel like right? if you're a rationalist, you'd look at that and be like, that's that's unlikely. This isn't going to work. Like, or at this least is if like it was the plot of the prestige. <laughs> yeah, I I wonder... Great movie, by the way. Everyone should see it. Oh, it's fantastic. I want to rewatch it because I was rewatching Rick and Morty and there was one episode where... This is going off topic. Uh, <laughs> let me see if I can say it in a couple of sentences. Rick gives morty a he calls it a like video game reset button oh yeah and then in the end the reveal is spoilers for and morty i guess actually he did all of the things it, he just was uh like shunting morty off into a universe <laughs> where that thing hadn't happened yet each time but it did actually happen in that reality and oh, he ends it with right. going you got prestige motherfucker <laughs> i've been prestiging you this whole time <laughs> he, he doomed all those other mortys to we talked about this last episode, I think, you know, uh, not, not Rick and Morty, but the idea of your other, your alternate universe selves. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he doomed all those other Mortys for his own benefit and all that suffering actually happened. And then yeah. he merges them all into one. And then like <laughs> they go outside and he's just like, oh man, like the army's here. The, the end double ACP is here. They, the AARP? I don't want to oh, talk about was, it. This was, the, this was the vat of acid episode. Yes, <laughs> the best episode. I had missed that one the first time around. And I think that it's my favorite episode. It was great. Um, yeah, I I wouldn't want to preclude anybody on any particular belief they had, so long as they're willing to earnestly engage with it and, like, actually be up to changing their mind. You know, like, I I know that that's a lot easier said than done. I'm sure there are things on, that, in, that I believe that would be really, really hard to convince me of. For example, maybe, you know, convincing you that religion is actually true, that this particular religion is true. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, it we would we would probably all say, well, of course I'm open to the idea. I could be convinced. And yet, if I'm being honest with myself, I don't know how you could possibly actually convince me. You know, if, if Jesus Christ himself descended on the White House lawn and started demonstrating his magic powers, I would think I'd lost my mind, that an alien, you know, with godlike powers is playing tricks on us, mm-hmm. that the Matrix overlords were fucking with us. Mm-hmm. All of those sound more likely than the bearded guy who gives harp lessons on clouds having sent his son down to, to, do, to do magic, right? Yeah. So... I, I don't sure know he what gives would... harp lessons. The <laughs> angels give harp lessons. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say I think they just download harp skills into your brain immediately when you show up. <laughs> but maybe you do got to go through a lesson training. <laughs> and the lessons are like just are there harps hellish. in the Bible? Because I'm pretty sure they described angels as wheels with eyes on fire. Yeah, the harp thing is a later interpolation. Okay, yeah. <laughs> wheels with eyes on fire to harp. I got to see how that happened. Uh, <laughs> there's there's a number of different types of angels in the Bible. Okay. It's not just those, but so, like some, of some of them are harps, some of them are wheeled fire demons, okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so like I said, I there are some things that I think it would be next to impossible to convince me of, and yet I try to be epistemically honest and open to anything, right? Mm-hmm. Um it's 
Like, see, that's that's the thing that he said, that Eliezer said in the sequence we read today, that no matter how bad your factual error is, if you could, if you could implement the actual methods of rationality without error, you could, rec- well, w- without the biases that we're kind of stuck with, you could recover from any error, even something as crazy as believing in the, the, the God thing. Totally. Um, so that's why you don't want to preclude anyone, because you're like, everything is recoverable if it's a belief, but... On the other hand, like, I kind of feel like there should be some standards. Yeah, I mean, like, by preclude, it's not, like, a condemnation. It's just sort of noticing, like, this person is practicing rationality correctly, and this person is not doing it in good faith. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't Maybe. mean they're a bad person either. Like, the thing I is, mean, like, I, I, I was saying, I'm, I'm not trying to make a judgment call. I, I'm just literally, like this is how you do rationality correctly, this other thing is not. It doesn't mean the person is bad, or, like, maybe it means they're bad from my... I don't know. I would prefer that they practice rationality in good faith, but, like... And even asking the question, what is a rationalist, implies that there's people that aren't rationalists, and so there'd have to be some exclusions as to what counts and what doesn't, right? Some people, I think, would just be fine to be like, you know, I've got other priorities. I don't really care about, you know... I'm a virtue ethicist. Or, or like, I'm not not (laughs) super... I'm not super into, uh, you know, uh, what is truth. I'm not, I'm not a big science, you know, reader. I, I more appreciate um, art history and uh, and working with the community or something. Yeah, no. like if somebody if somebody just has different priorities, they might just opt out of being in the rationalist community, right? Right. No, I get all yeah. that. I'm I'm more concerned. Like, I'm not sure. Do you want to be a community that's slightly restrictive or? I, I also don't want to end up being a community where, like, as long as you say you're a rationalist, you're a rationalist, you know? Because I think that's just not true. Yeah, no, I was I was just giving at least one example where you said that implies that some people aren't. I'm like, well, some people aren't yeah. because I they don't want to like, be. like, kick people out of the community. First of all, I don't have that authority, and I don't think anyone does. We're not centrally, you know? We have we have band powers on the Discord. That's yeah. right. But we, like, <laughs> we have a podcast. We are basically popes. What I was getting at was that I wouldn't kick anybody out, but... I would argue with them every time they show up hmm. and I would kick them out if they were being a troll about it. Right, right. You know, like if, some, if we got a like moon landing hoax person that was just spamming up threads for a bit, yeah. kind well, of like, <laughs> I mean, I don't even like at, at rationalist meetups, I don't even care if everyone there is a rationalist necessarily, you know, they're, I, I'm cool hanging out with people that aren't rationalist. It's more along the lines of like, would I, would I not challenge them if they go around saying they're a rationalist? And I'd be like, now hold up a minute. <laughs> I worked hard to get to where I am. You don't get to just call yourself that. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I uh, I would give them time to, like, say if someone joined the Discord and they're like, hey, I'm here. Uh, you know, I want to talk to you guys about why I think ghosts are real. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, just, you know, someone picking an example. And I'm, I'm not I'm not shitting on people who believe in ghosts. I, I, My own assessment of the evidence is that they're probably not real. Um, if, if they came to it and they discussed it and they're like, okay, you know, I... You haven't changed our mind yet, but I'll I'll think about it, and we don't, you know. I've I've given my piece, and I've heard your pieces, and they, you know, I wouldn't kick them out of the group. I wouldn't, uh, you know, I might not see their decision change in real time. You know, I just plant that seed of of thought in them, and then as it sits there and cooks for three years, they realize like, oh, you know what? I don't believe this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, if someone came in and was just like full on lizard people, uh, the Earth is a thousand years old. <laughs> Buy gold. What? What? Oh, buy gold. Uh, I mean, we've we've had a few people show up in the server every now and then who are like, "I'm a rationalist, and I have discovered this amazing thing." And I'm like, "Yeah, I don't think you're a rationalist, but I'm not going to say anything." And maybe I should say things like, "Prove it." 
Yeah, well, I mean, they, <laughs> they're, they're actually are always response. hit with prove it, and uh, then usually they leave the server after a few days. See, so, perfect. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. if they were if they stayed though and were willing to, in good faith, engage with the arguments and then like update, then I would call them a rationalist. In fact, I feel like the what this what this is all the the central core the central piece that these kind of um, conclusions are hitting is that as long as someone's actually open to changing their mind. And that includes us. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone came to me with really good evidence of ghosts, uh, I'd be stoked. Um, you know, I want to believe ghosts are real. Uh, so, if but anything, most that- people claim things like, "Oh, I'm open to changing my mind." Right. It's just that, like, but you can't prove Christianity ain't the true way to them. And and they're and it's one thing to say I'm open to changing my mind; it's another thing to actually be open to changing your mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I I admit that there's probably subjects like that that I'm. Uh, unaware of that i won't but that i'm like not budgeable on mm-hmm. i tried to be honest with myself about like what would take me to convince me that christianity was real right um but i mean i'm sure there's an easier target i have the maybe i'm irrational on if you guys ever find it point it out to me um i mean we're close enough to you that we're probably irrational and blind in the same <laughs> yeah thing. we're in a bubble here uh, right. no i actually had you know the experience of coming into the rationalist community and i read the sequences in it you know the uh politics is the mind killer actually really made a big impact on me maybe not even that sequence itself but reading other things that referenced it or just sort of by osmosis realizing that was one of our values and i definitely had beliefs that i didn't want to let go of that i was afraid to point a lens at but what i ended up doing was sort of i'm gonna like hit all this low-hanging fruit first i mostly hung out on like gwern.net you know interested in brains and nootropics and habits and that kind of stuff and like over time, eventually, was like, all right, like, should I continue to call myself a feminist? Or like, all right, am I trans? Or, okay, is IQ real? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Painful shit to, you know, look at. What was the last one? Is what real? IQ. 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 I, 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 I thought you said Ikea, and I'm like, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's a plot. <laughs> I, I feel like I've been there, but it also felt very surreal the entire time. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was a dream. Yeah, I mean... One thing I did change my mind on after entering the community, and I'm sure there was a bunch, but just because it's already come up in the conversation, cryonics. My first exposure to it was like, what, like Futurama? You guys got to be kidding me. Heads in jars? Mm. Um, <laughs> and then having heard some vague thing and had the standard rebuttals of like, you know, when you put a strawberry in the freezer and you pull the strawberry out, it's mush, right? It ruins it, the structural integrity of it. Um, oh, I, I put that in a dumb voice. I shouldn't have. That is a fair <laughs> objection if you're unfamiliar with, with the cryopreservation process. Yeah. And so... Uh, it's still a good objection too. Like, it's still going to be destructive to right. some extent. We're yeah. better at making it. We've gotten better at making it less destructive. But we were actually like, while we were on break, talking about a uh, brain plasticization versus freezing. Yeah, and, and it's still sort of a trade-off, you know, because it's less destructive if you just have your brain plasticized. But it's also I, I brought up a bunch of your neurons are not in your brain. Yeah, it's a tough spot, and I think it's one of those where, um, and this is just like one of my general lessons. If if you hear about like this new thing that like a lot of smart people take very seriously, and you can debunk it in five seconds, you probably don't understand it completely yet. <laughs> you know, if if you're going to go ahead and Ken Ham this and be like, well, your grandpa wasn't an ape, and that's what these <laughs> evolutionists are saying, mm-hmm. therefore we all know evolution's false. Like I'm, you know, if, if your if your rebuttal is that quick and easy, I think you don't understand the actual thing that you're trying to rebut. Um, so if, if you feel like you can dismiss something, uh, again, that, well, 
how do you define intelligent people? How do you trust authorities? How do you pick which authorities to trust? Right. You know, if, a lot more if, definitions of it. Hey? If we were, no, if not. we were, uh, just to you know, kind of noodle on this for one second, the majority of the planet is religious. You know, it, does that count as Bayesian evidence that there's something to believe there, or do we just think that everyone else is wrong? Um, I think that everyone else is wrong. Yeah. But the fact that some people believe it seem, you know, in general, people believe things that are true. Yeah. So it sounds it sounds, is a thing. it sounds like very weak evidence that, that that there's something going on there, right? Now I don't think that's the case, and I think that there's probably good decision theoretic or Bayesian ways of of mathematic, evolution mathematically refuting that sort of thing. But oh, sorry, I thought no, you're saying something else. No, no, you're good. I, I guess I'm saying I'm sure there's some formalized way of of saying no. Look, just because you encounter tons of small bits of evidence doesn't mean you have to increment every time you bump into it. Um, I was actually going to say that. Just because a bunch of people, I mean, like, it's a good heuristic social proof. Uh, the wisdom of crowds is shown to be pretty good. But then also, like, do all of these people believe in religion because it is true or because it is useful? Right. Well, and, they'll say they believe in it because it's true. Yeah, but I mean. But yeah, but in general, social proof is a, is a hand, handy thing, you're right. And uh, the cultural evolution part of it definitely plays a role in that particular one. I'm just thinking of, like, generic leaning on authority or generic leaning on social proof. Like, my. Inter- my understanding of like which car to buy is that American-made cars suck, <laughs> and so I don't buy American-made cars. I buy Hondas. I have um, a Chevy, but it was made in Curry. <laughs> so, uh, is that still true? I have no idea. Okay, so, so that, that's why I thought it was a good example. Is like it'd be very easy to change my mind on that. Maybe, maybe Honda in two thousand three stopped caring and giving a shit about their cars, and GMC upped their game. I have no idea. Um, so you know, this is the kind of thing where my my social proof that I've had from teenagehood might be uh might be wrong now yeah so uh i don't know this this was i don't have what we're gonna say i do have one other thing which is it's on a different track but i think it's also an important part of the equation yeah so the last thing i had was the cultural aspect of it um like in my opinion there does has (laughs) there has to be some familiarity with the culture of of Bayesian rationalism to really be able to call yourself one like you have to have some idea of who Eliezer is and what the sequences are and maybe be aware of uh Scott Alexander and some of the like a lot of that you don't have to read them directly a lot of it you get just from osmosis most Christians have never read the Bible I was Uh, gonna use that as an example and I think you could be an earnest Christian while never having cracked over the Bible exactly Yeah. yeah I think you could be a rationalist without having encountered any of the community as long as you like say you've you're a scientist slash skeptic, and you're already doing confidence intervals. I don't. Then you wouldn't know to call yourself a rationalist because you wouldn't even know that there's this secret club. Yeah, <laughs> you wouldn't call yourself that. But like we were actually saying again off air that there are a bunch of people we think actually are rationalists, just don't identify as such. That's actually one of the reasons I was bringing this up because, um, I mean, Charlie has a podcaster she listens to that she really likes that she keeps saying I think this person's a secret rationalist because lots of times she. Um, not only like says some of the similar has some of the similar tenets and habits of thought that we do, but like every now and then even a free, a term will slip through. And I mean, nowadays I don't even know if that's a very good uh, metric because there, there are concepts invented in on less wrong and in the rationalist sphere that have uh, are so successful. They escaped into the wider uh, world. Like there are people who use the term steel man that don't know it was coined on less wrong and uh pascal's mugging has been brought up in quite a number of venues now and a lot of people don't know that as a eliezer you know original um paperclip maximizer i think was uh-huh. an og eliezer uh um 
Yukowskiism. Yeah. Yeah, and then someone made it into like a cookie clicker style game. That was so good. But like, I mean, once you start claiming other people are are secret relationists, that, that seems to me like you know claiming, oh no, this person in history was a Christian, or this person in history was a Muslim. It's I'm like, so glad you made that point. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. I, I kind of think that the cultural aspect and the self identification might be a important part of it too. Self identification, I think. Hmm. Uh, I think that that is an important part of it. I mean, so you could say be the best rationalist and then just forsake the community. You know, it, remember how um, last year on the most recent, because like Julia Galef stopped doing the podcast for like a year mm-hmm. and like, quote unquote, Julia Galef commented on it saying, I've forsaken the rationalist community and the EA stuff. I'll, I'll elaborate later. Yeah, yeah. And it turns out when you comment there, you can put in whatever name you want. Mm-hmm. So someone just threw that comment on there. Mm-hmm. If Julia Galef was like, fuck you rationalists and you EA people, but went on to keep doing exactly what she's doing, but just called it like better thinkingism. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I think, I mean, yeah, I guess you're not a rationalist anymore if you did that, right? You've, 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 just, you've said, no, I'm not doing what you're doing. I feel like this is getting into, um, what was the idea in Greek philosophy of there being perfect forms of a thing? Platon, platonic, yeah. Platon, eh. Platonism. Like, there's not a platonic <laughs> rationalism. Like, I, I would, you know, uh, if somebody says they are anti-converse shoes and yet I see them wearing converse shoes... Mm-hmm. then like it doesn't matter what they say there's still the thing sure but there's people who say you know if you follow the golden rule and do good to other people then you're a christian regardless of what you actually say and i'm like no fuck you i ain't no christian well yeah but that's like the pope the, the definition of that. what is a christian <laughs> is completely arbitrary like the bible itself is self-contradictory so but like no one can actually be a christian by definition if it's follows the bible i don't think it's completely arbitrary i do think there's certain metrics that can you can meet to be or not be a christian yeah but i mean like maybe certain minimum thresholds like i you don't said, know if this it, if you said christ was never real or you know that whole thing's made up all the bible is made up but i'm a christian how does that even square I think that Christ- this is a bad example because there's so many different conflicting definitions of what it means to be a Christian. Like, mm-hmm. if we could find the one true definition of Christianity, then we could measure people by it. But I think there is that that definition doesn't exist out there in the wild. Well, I Whereas think- I think you can define what it means to be a rationalist. And oh. I think that you can look at whether or not the person, you know, cares about what the truth is and is trying to become better at learning what the truth is and acting on that. I think that's probably where we disagree then because I I don't I, I think like asking what is a rationalist is very similar to asking what is a Christian in that there is like no direct concrete answer where you can apply a test to someone and tell. I think there's a number of of criteria that you can meet to a greater or lesser degree and and that's and that's why I think like the cultural aspect should be included in that. Now I just feel like we're arguing about the definition of definition, <laughs> and we're talking about like legs and rubes, oh, right? God. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, you know, they do all the rationalist stuff, but they don't say they're a rationalist. They 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 say they're they say they're not. You know, which which bucket do I put them in? Well, I mean, and, Neil deGrasse Tyson specifically said, "I'm not an atheist. I'm an agnostic." Which uh, I I don't believe him in the most literal sense i think he's absolutely an atheist and he just doesn't care about all that god stuff and doesn't want it get wrapped up in it so he's like i'm an agnostic because that lets you short circuit all that and do what you actually care about which is the science right but i mean given all that if he says i'm not an atheist then 
basically I have to take him at his word there. And I think if he were to say, I'm not a rationalist, no matter how much rationality he's doing, then we'd have to accept that as well, right? I think I've figured out what our crux is, but Stephen, you looked like you were going to say something. I was going to say that, I mean, I was going to quibble on agnostic. I mean, I'm I'm technically agnostic on the God question the same way I'm agnostic on the unicorn question. <laughs> I was going to use that exact quote, actually, but I figured you'd nail it because I think that was a Dawkins. I don't remember where the unicorn one came in. I, I, I'm, it's a safe bet I didn't think of it myself because I'm not... It's a thing not, that I have seen in the atheist sphere, uh, if that's a thing. I'm sure it's around, yeah. Uh, I think mine and Inuyasha's crux might be... I'm thinking of rationalist as a description of beliefs or behaviors, whereas it seems like you're thinking of the word rationalist meaning a member of this community. No, or like I'm, a Christian, a member of the Christian community. Like I think it's basically beliefs and behaviors, but I think those beliefs and behaviors are included in in the rationalist culture. Like one of yeah, the you think there should be is, a like cult, uh, it's sort of like you know the new atheist uh, problem of does it just mean you don't believe in God or does it mean you don't believe in God plus you're a secular humanist and these other beliefs come with that package and there's this community that you. Well, I think like to. the the just doesn't believe in God definition of atheist means that everyone is an atheist when they're born because you don't have any beliefs when you're born yet, I, and I think that's a silly definition. I, I think that everyone <laughs> is an atheist when they're born. I I, I think they, I mean, I, they're I not think... an atheist the same way they're not like a Democrat or or someone who believes in free will. You just don't have any of that stuff in your head yet. This is why, like Sam Harris, is kind of throwing you know throwing this whole question out the window. Just be like. We don't have a word for, like, I don't collect stamps, mm-hmm. right? He's like, why is atheist even a word? You know, it's people who don't have this belief. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't collect stamps. What's the word for that? Or, yeah, that's the, the crux there is whether you identify as. Uh, is it a thing you could use to describe someone, or is it an identity that you choose to belong to or not? That's the question with the babies. Like, if having to be... okay. If if um, part of being an atheist means you have to be aware of the idea that there is a god and consciously reject it, then babies are not atheists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that that means, I guess, like um, choosing to accept the label, identifying as such. Okay, I, I, I could sort of get into. I, I think I understand why that's part of your uh, definition. And I don't. I mean. That's basically yeah what I'm including. Like I was just thinking as a Frenchman or French person, I don't know. Like uh, if someone had not ever really heard of France, was just raised in France in the countryside or something. Like the culture, the French culture would still be in them, and they would still be a Frenchman even if they don't positively identify as that, right? So you don't necessarily have to be like this is an identity I claim. It's just sort of a background part of the culture that you're raised in and the various values and beliefs that you hold that influence who you are. And I think that's why like I'm including the rationalist culture thing that this is somewhat influential as to how people act and think if they're immersed in this sort of a, I don't want to use the word culture again, because that sounds silly, but you know what I mean? Community. Community. I I don't know. I think um, I've been arguing what makes somebody a rationalist and you've been arguing what makes somebody a Bayesian rationalist. You can say memeplex if you want to dodge uh, culture. <laughs> okay. I think you're right that I did mean, yeah, Bayesian rationalist because that's, I think the reason we adopted Bayesian rationalist instead of just rationalist is because rationalist sounded far too 
um, putting on too many airs, like, oh, we are the only people who know about how to be rational and stuff. Whereas if you say, okay, Bayesian rationalist, and then point, point specifically to, you know, this school of how yeah. to think and how to train yourself to think more correctly. Yeah, I like that. As someone who ascribes to specifically this school of Bayesian rationality and the stuff that goes along with it, as opposed to someone who incidentally is behaving rationally. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But it doesn't sound so just kind of like on the the other end of it, things that you don't need. It doesn't sound like things that are, are requisite uh, components are like, you know, the ability to do high order math right. or, you know, the um, a fluency in cognitive neuroscience or perfect um, metacognition. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are, there are domains of knowledge that might be common among rationalists mm -hmm. that are less common in other populations. A lot of us are programmers. Mm -hmm. A lot of them are programmers. Um, That's why your example of the bank teller was so, you know, striking to me in the beginning because generally anyone in the rationalist culture would at some point run into that and know it, but it's also not like a requirement. You don't have to know it any more than you have to have read any particular sequence or even any of the sequences. Well, and the goal was to have somebody who, you know, is is aware of the community, but like doesn't consider them part of it as on the episode, but I didn't get that to work out today. Hmm. Um, and I was going to gauge, I can still, I'll, I'll check their answer, you know, report back if anyone reminds me. Um, yeah. Part of this came out at the last meetup. Someone was talking about trying to do like an actual, like rationalist religion. Hmm. And I was curious what like their, their core tenets would be. And I realized I had no idea how to answer that question. Ah, okay. Uh, so I was kind of curious. Well, now you know. <laughs> now I know that it's it's very murky water. And that if they were to draw hard lines, they'd, I'm assuming they'd be somewhat arbitrary. It's funny because I think it's not. I think it's uh, caring about the truth and training yourself to get better at caring about the truth. And thinking probabilistically. Mm -hmm. So we're thinking think of we every scientist. But we, but we, but you already precluded. Well, not precluded, but you said that's not that's not sufficient. Well, but also the cultural stuff. Yeah. Okay, throw in the cultural stuff then too. You can't. You can't be part of the religion if you didn't join the religion, right? Yeah. And if you don't donate to the Patreon for the Asian conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give to give well, uh, you know. And honestly, if you're just donating a few bucks per episode, that's not the ten percent that we demand. <laughs> and let's be real, you know, ten percent. You could probably do thirty. <laughs> i believe the mormons are are saying yes you can just tithe 10 percent, but do you want 10 percent blessings do you want to do the minimum are you okay with being like barely you know good yeah um, don't you want 30 percent blessings from god right god that's crazy well, i'm trying to think if there's anything else i wanted to hit on this um not really i had fun i wanted to just kind of have like a light episode i meant to be like i said a little more organized for this one but it turned into be a really fun off-the-cuff thing it looks like i think you two actually gave it some thought whereas i had half of a thought when i got here so it, it helped drive the conversation speaking of patrons you wanted to remind the patrons about the rss link yes uh there was a comment on one of the posts in the last month or two about like is there a patreon patron only rss feed and there is you find it through like on the right side of the my members my membership section of your patreon page when you log in you can copy that link and then just paste it into your your podcatcher app, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I only brought that up because it took me a while to find it. Cause when I was logged in as admin, I couldn't, but maybe I'm just blind. So I had, I had looked on their fact page and it was there. So I forget what podcast it was. I was a patron for one for a while and I couldn't find like the Patreon only exclusive feed anyway. Mm. And so it just, you know, I guess anyway, it's out there if you guys are curious and you get some bonus content you get some, you get the early release, uh, all that stuff. So should we thank our patron today? Yes. For helping us discover 
Could I do this one? Yes, for helping us decide who is a real rationalist. Uh, today, Creeping Dread has helped us decide who's a real rationalist. Very appropriate name for this topic. Uh, was it? I don't know. I don't think it was that dreadful. I, I promise to make it more appropriate by the end of the episode. Oh, oh boy. okay. A, a challenge accepted. Uh, <laughs> or something like that. But anyway, just... I'm always super bad at the thank the patrons part because... And I feel like I also say this every time I thank patrons, like, oh, man, people listen to this. Mm. Oh, no, they like us. They're giving us money. Oh, that I feel uncomfortable about that. But, like, in a good way, I, I am just, like, blown away every time I remember that that's a thing. And it's great. And thank you, Creeping Dread, and all of our other patrons, and just everybody who listens and participates or thinks about cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We, we really like you people. Yeah. Jace put it. Eloquently, I can't. I that was not eloquent, but <laughs> uh, other than other, other than just commenting again on how awesome the name "Creeping Dread" is, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, we've got the uh, the subreddit where we got one of the commenters for that we talked about at the beginning. We've got the Discord, which as of yesterday had 930 members, I think. No, don't tell me that. Oh God. Well, most of them are lurkers, like <laughs> right. everywhere else on the internet. Yeah, yeah. It's probably got two dozen active people, and the other two dozen people that talk are just alts of the other of the first two dozen. So. <laughs> It's all it's all just me with sock puppets. Right. <laughs> oh, could I make an ask of the patrons? Yeah, or the, not the, the patrons, just like the listeners generally. Mm-hmm. I've been tinkering with this uh, essay about... I'm trying to remember the word. Uh, placebo-mancy? Yes, placebo-mancy. And I, I want to post it on Less Wrong, but I also just have crippling anxiety. So if I give full permission to anyone who's listening and is on the Discord to PM me and just like poke me to post the thing, uh, I would appreciate that a lot. Cool. And your, yours is at Jace may exist, right? That is correct. Yeah. Cool. And yeah, thanks again, everybody, for making this possible, making the rationalist community a thing that exists. And I had one last note on the community. I um, We're recording this on Sunday the 19th. On Friday the 17th, I pinged the entire server asking for mm-hmm. support for a, a friend's GoFundMe. And within hours, several of you guys donated, and it was amazing. Two of you left your names. Daniel Nadolny, no surprise. You're the most wholesome person ever. And <laughs> Matt. Um, not sure which Matt, but... I mean, there's so rock. many Matts in this community. <laughs> and They're all really good. So many, uh, and several anonymous folks. Um, thank you guys so much. I'm going to put the link to the, to the GoFundMe in uh, the episode description for this week's, or for this episode. And uh, on a lighter note, the, so that was the Creeping Dread thing I promised I'd, I'd mention. Okay. Um, oh. So I knew I'd drive. I know I'd drive the name home. You you you'd, you got called out in a good episode, creeping dread. Hmm. But as far as the patrons patron support, we really appreciate it. I mean, we may or may not have destroyed a mic on accident by knocking it into a coffee cup <laughs> right before we started recording. So uh, if it is destroyed, then we we don't have to. You know, Inesh doesn't have to uh, take out a second mortgage on on his house to pay, to buy <laughs> new mics. So. Um, anyway, uh, oh, I guess, and this is just a general message to everybody: if anyone is thinking of signing up for Cryonics and is like on the fence about it and eh, maybe I'll get around to it later just do it sooner rather than later you never know like when you might not have an opportunity to so can we include links to yeah the like Cry- you, Institute. you've looked into, into this more than me uh so yeah if we could throw some links there for that as well we can link back to our episode with rudy on it because he talked about it a bit and that has a lot of links on it too true that, just that sounds like a good links one. from that and yeah. put them in here too yeah, yeah we'll, we'll put some of those links here and you know if you have any questions chronics institute has a frequently asked questions page we'll link to um check out the episode we had with rudy hoffman and uh really i, I just bring this up because you know 
if if you're on the fence, because I mentioned that this is one of the things I changed my mind on, I basically come to the conclusion that it was the smart thing to do, I think, years before I set up a policy and got it set up. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, quit cryocrastinating, as they call it, and, mm-hmm. and uh, get signed up if you want, if you're, if you're at all inclined to. You can always cancel and change your mind later, so... Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, thank you, everybody. We will be back uh, in two weeks, and we'll see you then. Woot. Bye, everybody.